episode of The Full Nerd, Tiger Lake arrives in RTX 30 series. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 149. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with co-host Brad Charkas. I'm actually here today. Chief, Chief Officer, Elena Yee. Look, I just represent the people. <laughs> and, of course, Adam Patrick Murray, controlling the vertical and horizontal. Uh, unfortunately, I think I only have one spatula in my kitchen, and it, <laughs> it doesn't have a, a 30 a 30 series GP behind it. So I, I so badly wanted to take a screenshot when he bent over so I could just get the picture of his background and use it for my background, but oh, time this morning. Dang. <laughs> I mean, next episode. Possible. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, you Photoshop them out, then it looks like you're in Jensen's kitchen, and you. Yeah. Like I just want, like I said yesterday, I want to get in that oven because he's got all kinds of goodies in there, I all over the jacket. Kitchen. Did you guys... imagine? What? <laughs> Did you guys see that that Photoshop job where yeah. it's just like this gigantic uh, graphics card that he's pulling out of the oven? It's great. Could you imagine living in his house though, and you're trying to like, cook something, and you open up the cabinet, and like some you know forty series falls out on the floor? It's like, damn, Dad, can you put this somewhere else? Oh, sorry. He's like, just, no, 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 but just stuff it back in there. It's it's good. It's good. It needs a little more time. Just, yeah, just put it back up in there. Uh, but hey, first I want to get this out because this literally just happened an hour ago. Intel, of course, unwrapped its Tiger Lake CPU. It is essentially ten nanometers. It is Ice Lake, but better, 10 nanometer plus. I don't know if they've actually adopted plus. I think they may have decided to kick that whole thing to the curb. But it basically addresses every problem Ice Lake had with those high clocks. Of course, they talked about this a couple weeks ago. Now they're actually showing off laptops with it. And they're actually showing off some performance stuff, which I'm going to talk about. But there were some cool uh, graphics I hadn't seen before. First one we're going to show you. I don't know if you've seen this anywhere. It's pretty cool. It's basically a, a picture of the Ice Lake, oh God, Tiger Lake SOC. You can see basically the uh, PCH, and then you can also see the, the CPU itself with the graphics cores, the CPU cores. At the top in red, this is slide one, Adam. Yep. Those are the little tiny Tiger Lake 10 nanometer cores, Willow Cove. Uh, down at the bottom, that larger blue square, I believe, is the graphics core, the big-ass graphics core, which gives you 2x performance increase, 20% more CPU performance increase. That looks like that's a lot of that is basically made up in their better Superfin technology. They're basically able to push far higher clocks. It's now officially, I think, 4.8 gigahertz, which people had sort of guessed. I'd guess that. And they're also saying 5x improved AI performance. Of course, that's the controversial DLB boost AVX 512, but they did show off a few benchmarks, which I want to talk about. I'm going to get through this really fast. Slide two, Adam. Joan. First, I'm showing you, uh, they basically said, yeah, you know what? We're not going to talk about just that whole benchmark thing where you run just whatever Cinebench or whatever bench or that bench that don't apply to what people do on a laptop. Intel, of course, has been harping on this probably for maybe a year now. People say they're cynically just saying this because they're getting their, their butts kicked in, in Cinebench. But it does have some validity. In this one test, I'm going to point out, it's very rare for Intel to call out their competitors so directly. They show off an AMD Ryzen 7 4800U versus a new Tiger, Tiger Lake uh, 
11th gen. They didn't say which model, but I'm going to guess it's the whatever, 1165, whatever it is. I, I could, we have the model number. We're going to get to that later. They show this running, uh, Photoshop elements, basically taking a bunch of old photos, colorizing them, uh, and then upscaling them with slide two. It's a combination load here. So they're not really saying faster in just, uh, Photoshop elements. Then they bring in, uh, I think it's a gigapixels AI. It's basically uh, uh, a still image upscaler. I've actually been using this as well as a video version of this to do AI upscaling. They use both of these to take that image, upscale it, you know, colorize it and then upscale it with gigapixel. And they're basically saying it's 100% faster on the new Tiger Lake CPU over the 8-core Ryzen 7 4800U pretty significant um of course the caveat here is you know i'm going to guess photoshop elements is very much a lightly threaded task it's not exactly adobe's finest product so those high clocks are going to favor tiger lake which is good for them the second thing is of course gigapixel their ai obviously leverages dl boost avx 512 that is in the intel tiger lake chips no surprise we got this stuff. Somebody's using this special stuff. We're going to use it. Now they're saying in something you would do, which is Photoshop Elements and upscaling with this pretty advanced app. It's really cool. It's awesome. 100% faster than an 8-core Ryzen with our quad-core Tiger Lake chip. And, of course, the caveat is lightly loaded task with AI, right? My so Cinebench isn't applicable on a laptop. Why would this you know, advanced app be applicable on a laptop? Well, so their argument is like, you know what? I don't know who the hell is going to take a 13-inch laptop is going to sit there and do 3D modeling unless they want to go blind, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just like if you're doing really legit 3D modeling, 3D rendering, aren't you going to sit down with a, a Ryzen Threadripper? Yeah. <laughs> of course, Intel's, Intel's not going to say that, but like, yeah, am I going to do this on a laptop or am I going to do this on a 64-core Threadripper, right? Or, of course, you know, or a big X part from Intel, Makes a lot of sense. It is actually a, a very fair argument. I, you know, I understand it, and I understand Intel saying Cinebench is the wrong load to use on a 13-inch, two and a half-pound laptop. That is very fair, and it is, it is, you know, you can hate all you want internet, but it is fair to say, yeah, you know what, you are going to use Photoshop Elements. You're not using, you know, CS here. You're not going to be using the high-end stuff, low-end product, and then this this AI product is actually pretty cheap. I think it's like a hundred dollars, and that is something I think is probably closer to reality than using Cinebench, right? Okay. But, but I mean, I'm just saying, 100%, you could obviously say this is a cherry-picked test load that is made to show off the prowess of Tiger Lake. At the same time, it's pretty damn realistic. Photoshop elements and, and an existing application that's shipping that's not super expensive. Okay, uh, next one. We're going to move into gaming because clearly the big deal here, and thank you, Ian Cutters from Anantech, for teaching us how to say it correctly. It is XE Graphics because originally they wanted, I think, EXE, but they couldn't take it. It was trademarked. Uh, Ian pointed that out to the Internet. I'm sure nobody's using that. But XE Graphics is really the star of Tiger Lake. Significant performance uplift. I'm just going to say Z. Z? Come on. It's XE, though, right? (laughs) No, Z sounds better? Uh, Yeah. Z-O. Well, there, but there's a right way. It's like Asus and Asus, right? But or like when we say Nook versus Nuck. Yeah, Nuck versus Nuck. I but there, I think that's changed too. Uh, so Intel's like, hey, 
you will just talk about gaming on 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 ultrabook which again is a little weird because like don't you really want to h part with a real discrete gpu but to be fair there are people who play games especially lower end games on integrated graphics but check this out this is damn i can't remember it is it grid i can't remember the exact game i think mark but, said grid Mark, so we're, we're talking about grid here. On the left, you see an AMD Ryzen 4800U, which, with Radeon graphics, I think that's their 8CU version. In the middle, Tiger Lake with XE graphics internet. Thank you, Ian Cutrus. And on the right, NVIDIA GeForce MX with, uh, with an Ice Lake, uh, part pushing that. I assume, not a Comet Lake U. But, it's a huge difference. Look, you're looking at assuming all the testing is done at the same res, same setting, which let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to do something crazy, like not run the same settings. You're looking at 33 frames a second on the Ryzen 7 4800U. You're looking at 57 on that Tiger Lake XE, Z, uh, uh, XE part. And then uh, interestingly, of course, that MX350 is, of course, Never been pushed as a gaming part, but it's drag-assing back there at 31 frames a second in grid. I believe this awesome. is 1080p performance. Pretty impressive. There's actually one more. I'm going to show off the last graphics benchmark they showed off was... I don't play uh, Halo games, but this is some kind of Halo RTX, RTS game. <laughs> what is it? Anybody Halo know? Wars. Halo Wars. Again, this is just simply... Matt, Adam, you're muted. Oh, this is Gears Tactics. Uh, oh, Gears Tactics. Uh, yes, not Halo. <laughs> I can't yeah. see the picture. <laughs> I can't oh, sorry. They're showing off Gears Tactics. Again, on the left, Ryzen 7 4800U with uh, Radeon graphics. 30 frames a second-ish. You know, obviously, they were showing the demo. I did some screen caps while it was running. I like that the colors are almost correct. It should be red there, Intel, not orange. And then for uh, Tiger... Tiger Lake with XE graphics, 58 frames a second, over 30 on that Radeon with the Ryzen 7 4800U. And uh, GeForce MX350, uh, no longer drag-assing like it was before, up at 49 frames a second, much closer. But still, I mean, let's say this. When the hell have we ever been able to say this? Intel integrated graphics is faster than AMD and NVIDIA, right? That's just like, huh? So that's their big news we're faster than NVIDIA and AMD. Clearly on the CPU side, you could argue a little cherry pick, but we're showing two games here where there's smoke in the Radeon part, and that, that MX350 is behind in both of them. We obviously would have to want to see Tiger Lake perform in other games to see how it does. But yeah. clearly, at least in a couple samples here, and I'm going to guess that you can find other games where they, they do pretty damn decent. XE graphics is no joke. Right. This, this this whole thing is pretty encouraging me for a couple reasons. One being the Z graphics or XZ graphics, whatever. Uh, you know, seventy percent of the GPU market is Intel. If you look at John Petty's number, so Intel is the baseline for everybody. Right. Uh, so to see them saying, "Hey, the new baseline is you can play Gears Tactics on your laptop." That's great. That's just going to make everything better for everybody. It's going to push Nvidia. It's going to push AMD to do better. Yeah, and people can play Gears Tactics on a two point five pound laptop. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm also happy to see the much higher clock speeds because the rumors have always said that one of the big issues with ten nanometer is that they just can't get the clock speeds. And you saw that a little bit last year with Ice Lake that did not mm -hmm. clock anywhere near as high as fourteen nanometer parts. 
which makes sense because 14 nanometer parts been iterated on for five or six years now. Uh, the issue is for desktops. I mean, that clock speed getting five gigahertz on the desktop is a lot. That's where they're at now. Right. So to be able to see these 10 nanometer Tiger Lake parts getting close to that in laptops, there's finally hope for desktops in the future, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, I, to be fair, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a snob for, for PC hardware, but I think the fact that when we get to basically next gen Ryzen uh, parts and we get to, you know, Z, XE graphics mm-hmm. out for desktop, I mean, it's going to be great for people who just can't go out and afford to buy a GPU, right? It's not good for NVIDIA, but it's going to be good for people yeah. who just can't afford it. So that's the part I find interesting that they're going to be moving into that like kind of like low end uh, budget kind of space for NVIDIA and mobile. Like I kind of wonder what that relationship looks like right now behind the scenes. Yeah. With uh, NVIDIA pushing PCIe 4 graphics cards right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what was very interesting is because when they talked about Tiger Lake a couple of weeks ago, you know, said, Hey, first PCIe 4 in a laptop. Okay. People were like, and I'm like, well, hmm, this kind of matches up with NVIDIA's new MX450, which you can imagine is just fast enough to make uh, XE graphics slower, right? Because NVIDIA likes selling discrete graphics. But uh, Intel specifically said PCIe 4 for direct attach storage. So PCIe 4 SSDs at some point will come out in these laptops. So it doesn't sound like it's intended as a uh, graphics interface, which probably didn't make a lot of sense, but I suppose a graphics vendor could still do it anyway. Um, Last couple things. We're going to do this quickly because I know people want to just talk about RTX. Hang on, hang on. The big thing, of course, for Intel in some eyes is like, we got a new logo, which is I'm going to show you right here. That that is a big deal. To be honest, it's it's crazy. I mean, for us, it's like oh whatever. But for big companies that have committee on committee on committee, and then outside consultants, and then somebody on Wall Street and designers, this logo probably took like I don't know five trillion uh, people hours to come to determination up. But Intel, this is Intel's new logo, and an unforeseen amount of money, <laughs> and an unforeseen and amount of money. Like when our company did a logo redesign, our parent company, IDG, they changed the logo a couple of years ago, and then they like blitzed everybody with it and right. sent people jackets and like it costs money. Companies spend money on this stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I and I always forget because I think like, oh, who gives, who gives a damn, right? It's just a logo. But there is really a legitimate huge swath of the population that reacts to new logos, right? And like if Nike Nike redesigned its logo, it'd be like, and they did it wrong. You could guess. The sale of Nikes would go like, Whoa. so there is a lot pinning to this, even though it seems ridiculous to to the nerds like us. And then the Wait. last slide. Oh, go ahead. Wait, I have a random question. Is the background part of the new logo? So that like hint of red or is that just so that they didn't have a white background? No. That was just what they flashed on there. So. Okay. Uh, and the last one, which I think is actually significant for the nerds like us, because they didn't even talk about it because, you know, it's not like a big deal. But it's actually the the stack of the new uh, uh, Tiger Lake with XE graphics parts. They're basically all almost all quad cores. There's a couple dual cores in here. The top end part is that i7 1185G7 Iris XE graphics, quad core hyper threading, 96 EUs, 12 megs of cache. In uh, LPDDR4X4266 support on this part now. I thought it was actually going to be baked in initially, but basically uh, Mark corrected me. 
Uh, it's actually coming out later. There will be LPDDR5 support coming in future, I'm guessing, uh, Tiger Lake parts, or at least maybe possibly upgraded ones, maybe when the memory's ready. And, of course, you're seeing the, the, the TDP of these parts from 12 to 28 watts. And the big deal, of course, is 4.8 gigahertz turbo, 4.3 gigahertz all-core, pretty damn good. And that base, which, of course, is worst-case scenario, you're rarely ever going to hit, is, is 3 gigahertz. And graphics cores are 1.35, and the rest uh, of there. But old man Brian in YouTube chat says uh, quad core psh, dead on arrival. Well, I mean, again, that's but you know, and I, laptops. I, in laptops, and I think you have to remember: Are you re- And this is I've been saying this now for maybe 16, 18 months. Do you really need eight cores in an ultrabook? And I think there's. There's definitely a lot of people like, no, I, I don't need it. I just don't need it, right? I, I think it's a great marketing, um, great for, way for AMD to market it because it is awesome. Uh, people who really need like, yeah, I really am going to do a, a ton of uh, uh, heavily multi-threaded 3D modeling or maybe there's some actually advanced photo photo applications that are multi-threaded. That 8 course is going to kick ass. And my prediction I will say right now, AMD – Will Fort, Ryzen 4000 will hold, is going to win on uh, multi-core performance. That's just, I just don't think Tiger Lake is going to change that because eight cores with with SMT is better than four cores with hybrid threading. I think mm-hmm. AMD gets multi-core. I think Intel, Tiger Lake now, because they have the higher clocks, Ice Lake couldn't get here. Higher clocks gives Intel the high ground on single-threaded apps, which a lot of people use. Chrome, Photoshop, a Probably 90% of what people do on 13-inch laptops. So I think Intel will hold that area. For graphics, I'm going to give it to Intel. I really want to get a, a Tiger Lake laptop to really see if it's all there. But I think they're making this claim because, yeah, we got NVIDIA and we got AMD's number. And I'm going to give that to uh, Intel. And there's probably one category I probably should add, which I didn't think about, is the new AI stuff. So things that actually do use, you know, uh, AI that use, that leverages AVX 512 DL Boost, pretty unique, and that's something that Intel has. They're not giving up on this despite what uh, Linus and Francois say. They're basically saying, F you folks, we're going to double down on this. We think this is the future, and they're they're still going to do it. So, uh, Any any word on QuickSync support? Um, is that boosted as well, or...? They did do some quick sync encodes and they're like, I don't, I think it is, it is a newer encode engine. It was actually newer in Ice Lake. So they actually, I don't think I have an encode picture, but they said, yeah, it's, it's faster with encodes as well. So okay. across the board, it looks like a really solid part. It's really weird, but it is that, it's like that odd dynamic we've had on desktop, except on laptops in a way. You want more cores, but lower clocks. Right, AMD gives you way more cores for a better price. If you want high uh, core, uh, if you want high clock speeds, but you can live with fewer cores, Intel. Now you just throw in the graphics component where Intel looks like they have a lead, and you choose the poison you want. Because clearly, if you want your laptop for 3D modeling, you're going to want Ryzen, right? You want eight cores with with uh, 16 threads. A uh, question from uh, YouTube right, before we uh, move on to RTX. Uh, Recon Wu says, uh, any info on desktop processors, or did I miss something? There is no announcement from Intel as far as desktop processors. Uh, I think that won't happen until at least you know next year. Um, it will be interesting. That. Yeah, next year, right? So, yeah. But 
But again, it'll be pretty cool because you start pushing down, you know, future iterations of XC into a desktop, especially where you're not as thermally limited as a, as, as a laptop. You're going to get really decent esports performance out of an Intel IGP, possibly better, well, the, better than what you're getting out of um, current um, uh, Ryzen parts. But, you know, next gen is probably going to change that. But, but again, <laughs> Intel IGP is in front. Like, what? That's just like, I've never, Intel IGP is like always just the last one across that finish line. Every, like, for the last, ever since they ever came out with it, IGP has just been the last one across the finish line. So now, like, to actually be like, yeah, ahead. You know, Ice Lake was a nice, was a nice change. And now we're seeing them continue that. So we'll see where, where integrated graphics go on desktops too. All right, real quick, even though I know everyone's dying to get to the RTX stuff, I just want to um, highlight a, a comment from our Twitch uh, channel. Uh, Dragon Kurt mentioned, they're like, they saw the chart with the TDPs for the parts and commented, like, wow, 28 watts for a 4.3 gigahertz all-core chip. Um, but I was thinking, like, I mean, I'm guessing the TDP is higher because you also have the graphics component to to deal with in that whole package do we know like how much a normal like uh mx350 would take in terms of uh, power uh well i think the mx350 which is not the mx450 which is turing based so mx350 i think is a they have a max q version but they don't actually call it max q they basically have a low tdp version of 350 and i thought it was 45 watts 35 watts and then they have a higher wattage version of the MX350. Uh, oh. it's, it's it's a significant. There is a significant amount of power thrown at the discrete parts. Uh, typically, MX350, MX250 laptops have been 14 inch, and you know they they have beefier cooling because you now have to cool the CPU and you have to cool the GPU. So it's a little bit of a. a they have an advantage in some ways because if you have extra, extra an extra thermal budget shared among two different parts, it's better than the thermal budget on just one single part. So I think I had this theory that one of the problems with Ice Lake was, you know, you still if you heat up both CPU and GPU at the same time, you create a lot of heat. You're you know you're not going to get quite the stellar performance as you would out of say a, a discrete part. But what's interesting though is uh, uh, those screenshots. They were showing actual games running, and I'm going to hope they weren't like, oh, my God, this is the best part, and then 10 minutes later, it's, you know, it crashes in performance because it's overheated. I'm going to guess that, you know, they're going to hold, you know, 2X Radeon performance through the gaming. I mean, only way to find out is for us to get a hold of it and test it. So, cool. yeah, we'll see, right? We don't know, right? It's like, oh, what? Ray Tray, it can't be 2X faster than these parts. This must be cherry-picked numbers from NVIDIA. Speaking of getting a hold of something, there's people who really want to get their hands on the new 30 series uh, RTX yeah, cards. Brad, myself included. For everybody who might have missed it, uh, then uh, why don't you fill everybody in on, on the details? Sure. So NVIDIA, surprise, surprise, that's big GeForce special event, launched the next generation of GeForce graphics cards, the RTX 30 series. And they look pretty freaking badass on paper. Uh, there are three of them announced so far. There is a five hundred dollar RTX thirty seventy coming in October, uh, and Nvidia says that's going to be faster. My guess would be by like one or two percent than 
the RTX 2080 Ti. So the graphics card you just spent $1,200 for this generation, uh, you're going to spend $500 for the same performance. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, moving up, what they call their flagship is the eight, uh, $700, a little bit cheaper, uh, RTX 3080. Uh, and that's going to be significantly faster than that. They haven't really made too many performance claims, but it's, it's going to be fast. Uh, and then stepping all the way up uh, to, they don't even call it the flagship. They just call it the BFGPU, uh, $1,500 uh, RTX 3090, reviving that long dormant 90 class. It doesn't seem like it has dual chips, so I was kind of, Expecting it to maybe have a dedicated chip for ray tracing or something, since they were calling it 3090. But no, it's basically a cheaper Titan. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, it had they all three have ridiculous amounts of CUDA cores going through the spec sheets. Uh, even the 3070 has more CUDA cores than the 2080 Ti did. The 2080 Ti had somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,400. I don't have it in front of me right now. Uh, if you go up to the 3090, it has over 10,000. So that's ridiculous. Uh, the chips have new second-gen RT cores and third-gen Tensor cores that promise 1.7% greater performance and 2.7% greater performance in theory. Uh, so they're going to be you know, way more powerful in games, way more powerful in ray tracing, way more powerful in DLSS. NVIDIA also announced all kinds of cool technologies, you know, tied to these things. Uh, There's going to be RTX, or not RTX, NVIDIA Reflex, which is basically a bunch of tools that developers can hook into to help improve latency in games. So, you know, competitive esports games will bring the uh, latency down, click to see. Uh, It has NVIDIA... uh, NVIDIA Broadcast. I get confused these days because they call some things RTX voice, some things NVIDIA voice, some things... G- it's like, come on, y'all. But anyway, NVIDIA Broadcast uses those tensor cores uh, to use AI to spruce up your game stream. Uh, so you'll be able to use that magical RTX voice as part of that. They also have automatic you know, back, black background blurring and green screen effects, stuff like that. Uh, but the really exciting part to me, aside from the raw performance of this stuff, is uh, RTX IO, which builds upon Microsoft's Direct Storage API, which is basically the backbone of that ultra-fast uh, storage velocity architecture storage in the Xbox Series X. So, you know, everyone's like, oh, the consoles are going to be so fast, they got this crazy storage. Uh, RTX IO, Direct Storage, bring the same technology to the PCs as well next year. It basically, if you have an ultra fast NVMe drive, it will let that talk directly to your PC's GPU rather than getting routed through the CPU and dish out stuff right to the memory. So that basically, if it works as expected, game loading times are going to go away. Things will load instantly, stuff like that. It was just the entire thing was just like a, a wonderful show. Like <laughs> NVIDIA dropping the mic ahead of. Big Navi and the new consoles, it kind of felt like. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, for that quick recap. Nice. Uh, you, you just <laughs> you blew know, through well, the whole presentation in, uh, in a couple minutes. That was good. There are there are several several articles on PCWorld.com if you want more in depth information on all that, including a spec comparison line by line RTX twenty and thirty series. So go check it out if you want. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a, a so, link to the article in the, in the description. So, Brad, I, I just need to ask this because uh, I'm a serious console gamer. I want to know. Will <laughs> the, well, this is a serious question. I'm I'm a console gamer. Will my PlayStation, new PlayStation and new Xbox be faster than an RTX 3090, or will it be slower? Um, the PlayStation Five will probably be faster, but the Xbox will be slower. Really? No, I'm, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually really cool. It's really interesting the price points this generation, uh, which has nothing to do with the consoles uh, of graphics cards. Uh, it's really cool to see the RTX 2080 Ti performance getting brought down to the $500, you know, 70 class level. That happened last time Nvidia had a process shrink as well. These chips are built on Samsung eight nanometer technology, so it's moving ahead of node just like Big Navi did. And that usually means great things. Uh, the last time Nvidia did it, it went from the ninety series, not ninety. I forget the name. Yeah, nine hundred series, nine hundred series to the ten series. Uh, and we saw the same thing there too. So the ten seventy was as fast as the nine eighty Ti was. So. It's not super shocking to see it, but it's really freaking cool to see it, especially with how disappointing the last generation was, the RTX 20 series, in terms of the performance increase that you got in traditional games. So it was real good for NVIDIA to come out and, you know, offer real great value, I guess you could say. But it's kind of hard to say because we're talking about $500 and $1,500 graphics cards. So, Brad, what you're saying is that if somebody had bought a 1080 Ti, then uh, they're they're going to have a, a nice jump up to the uh, the 30 series. Oh yeah, they'll nice. they'll love it. They unlike yeah, if they had spent a similar amount of money with the RTX 20 series. Uh, and I found it very interesting that Jensen actually alluded to that during the presentation, where he said, "Hey, my Pascal friends, this is time for you to finally upgrade." I just found that interesting because they know people love 1080 Ti. Yeah, no, and and he. You know, there are, there was a lot of, you know, what do they say, Mia Coppola? He, there was a lot of admitting things like, yeah, we know the pricing and the, and the, the, you know, this, this part was the, was the part that, you know, I, I'm going to point this out. This is exactly what we said on the very first full nerd after they made the reveal on the 20, 20 series is you said, Brad, it's always better to wait, right? Yep. Second gen. I always go for the second gen. Which is not, that's, that's, it's not really. But so I just think all the arguing, everything is like this whole time is like. I actually, right before all this started, I think I ran it last Friday. I spent some time going through all the actual games that got announced at that event versus the actual RTX games that launched over the last two years. Yeah, let me find that article. That's a good article. Yeah, it's RTX means both ray tracing and DLSS. So I took a peek at both of those. And I also talked about pricing and stuff. And, you know, that you can only count on one hand the amount of AAA games with great implementations that had RTX. Uh, DLSS and ray tracing, uh, not RTX, ray tracing, but uh, DLSS and ray tracing both definitely are in a great position now. Like, there's a ton of AAA games that are going to be including ray tracing and DLSS in this holiday season that's coming out, like Watch Dogs Legion, Cyberpunk, etc., etc., the new vampire game. Uh, but if you bought in two years ago to RTX, you were bleeding for that bleeding edge right. ability. So, which, but now we're we're set up really well. I think now with you know these going to be so affordable, I wouldn't be surprised if 
RTX moves lower down in the lineup, so you could start getting them at more affordable price points when the rest of all that gets announced. It's going to be in Big Navi. It's going to be in the consoles. It really feels like now's a great time to, you know, bite that bullet. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see those the ray tracing features get turned on in lower end card cards using the uh, you know the older touring cores too, right? Yeah. You think yeah, that I could happen? That I, hope- I uh, well, you got to remember that uh, Nvidia already enabled ray tracing on non RTX cards because yeah, pardon me, they wanted to be able to say we have a ray tracing install base of X million. So if you could just turn on the ten series or whatever. Uh, they did that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens to Turing non-RTX cards as well. And I hope that actual RTX, you know, the hardware, the ray, tra- ray tracing cores and the tensor cores works pretty much all the way down the stack this time around. Because if you look at it, like uh, the 3070 is going to be doing 2080 Ti performance. So, you know, half the price for it's going to have full thing. So if you take, if you say, hey, you know, the RTX 2060 was 300 bucks, 350 bucks. If you divide that price in half, the performance or whatever, you know, that's 175 bucks, 150 bucks. So I'm hoping that they're able to squeeze RT cords into that, even that far down the stack. So what you're saying is you don't think there will be a replacement for the 1650 and the, you know, like the, the, the non-ray traced version of... I hope not. There might be. Uh, there, I, I, there might be some cards down in that sub two hundred, especially one hundred and fifty and below, where they might not have it. Uh, just to because it's extremely price conscious, you know. Uh, but that would involve developing whole other GPUs that don't have the RT cores. And it seems at this point, it's been two plus years developing those RT cores and stuff probably ain't as big of a deal as it was two years ago. So, you know, we'll see. Nice. Uh, Well, we got some, we got some questions piling up. Uh, Are you, are you ready to take some Brad? Sure. Uh, so we, the first couple come in from front of the show, Dennis Siberian, um, say, I have a question, uh, will 10 gigabyte of VRAM on three, the 3080 become a bottleneck in the next three years? What are the chances that new AMG GPUs will utilize more VRAM to compete better? Um, I don't think it's going to wind up becoming a bottleneck. I mean, you never say never, uh, Bill Gates had that quote where you only need like 56 you know, KB of memory or something like that. But uh, 10 gigabytes is a lot. Uh, If you're trying to play 8K resolution, there's a 3090 for you with 24 gigabytes of... (laughs) But, I mean, if you're playing at 4K or 1440p or something like that, more traditional things, I think you're probably going to be fine, especially because it now uses GDDR6X memory, which uh, Jensen was saying can transmit data twice as much data in the same amount of time as GDDR6, so it's very, very fast memory, too. So it would, I think it'll be fine. I, I don't think they would future-proof this second gen of RTX cards, or nerf, like, make them obsolete early. Okay. Yeah, and then plus, I was also thinking yesterday that, do you think that direct storage has play here? Because you're basically transferring from your PCIe 4 SSD directly to the memory on the the graphics card you really yeah ask the question mark do you re- you may not need that you know big ass frame buffer that you did before right yep 100 percent. because if like if it's decompressing stuff and sending all these textures straight to the graphics card then again you don't need the frame buffer that's 
100% correct. Hmm. Or okay. uh, we'll have to see how it works out because Microsoft showed some more details. You know, Jensen just touched on it briefly, but that's what it sounds like is going to be happening with those at least. But you're going to need an NVMe drive to use that, which uh, I find kind of awesome. I think it's really cool because, like, up until now, getting an NVMe drive doesn't really benefit your gaming. Like, if you're playing a game, it doesn't matter if it's on a standard side of drive or on an NVMe drive, you get the same experience. NVMe drives mostly matter with large file transfers or if you're, like, editing ultra big video or something like that. Uh, but in this case, actually you'll get tangible benefits out of having an NVMe drive. And I think that's dope. Yeah. Uh, so second question from Dennis Siberian. Um, I guess uh, Paul from Par- Paul's Hardware mentioned that the RTX 3070 will be the first 70 class card from NVIDIA costing $500. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. What was the 1070? The 1070 was 400 and the 970 was 330, I think. Yeah. I don't but know. But you're I, getting a 2080. No, the 2070, the 2070 was 500 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, well, the classes yeah. all got shifted up last yeah. gen. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it is, they're not retreating from the higher price points. That was part of the problem with them charging so much to begin with. You knew they weren't going to take it back. But at least the good thing is with as much performance as these cards are getting, like if you have a 1440p monitor and uh, the 3070 delivers as much performance as the 2080 Ti, unless you're looking to drive it with no visual compromises at 144 hertz, like that 70 class card is overkill for your 1440p monitor now. You can spend a whole lot less money. We'll have to see what gets announced and how it actually shakes out. But in theory, you're going to be able to spend a lot less money to feed faster monitors now with this much performance in it. So, so like, then it's just a naming thing at this point, yeah. right? Because it's like if you're, we discussed this briefly yesterday, where it's if you're getting the performance that you would mm, usually expect out of a, a $500 card in terms, like, in context to the other cards in the lineup and also relative to the previous generation. I mean, does the naming really matter as much outside of having to kind of mentally update your association with it? Yeah, that's the, that's the upside and the downside with having great branding, right? Because <laughs> NVIDIA has, you know, spent forever establishing these brands, and now people are like, you want me to spend how much on a 70-class card? But yeah, I agree. Uh, I do think it kind of sucks that prices have crept up so high, because uh, it used to be $500, maybe $600 got you like a ridiculous flagship. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about three different cards that are over 500 bucks, so... I don't like seeing prices. It was the same last gen too. I don't, it's getting it to be a very expensive hobby compared to what it used to be. I feel like if they filled out the lower end of the stack though, it wouldn't be so much of a problem. Like I don't think it's, I I don't think it's going to be a problem. I don't think so either. I'm just saying though, that as long as they fill in, you know, under like 300 range and below, then it won't matter so much. And it would be a good thing that you have more options in the higher end. Yep. And I'm, glad to see the 3090 like we we've talked about this in episodes leading up to this like i just want to see nvidia do this ridiculous thing the best that it can you know this is the ultimate 8k gaming that's ludicrous i mean i'm all for it if someone wants to spend 1500 bucks on that is the speaking of which uh sli's been effectively dead but now it's pretty much dead uh, that fifteen hundred dollar thirty ninety is the only card that has SLI fingers, so you're not going to be doing multi GPU with any of the mainstream GeForce lineup. 
What did you think of that demo? Or not demo, but like the kind of odd video clip of people reacting to the AK gaming. Uh, it was a very, I could tell they were Twitch streamers and whatnot, or reactionary influencers. Except for Adam Sessler. <laughs> He's got a history. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Sessler's cool. I like them all. I mean, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed, I dig that stuff. I watch Twitch. I watch YouTube all the time. I literally have it on probably eight hours a day. Uh, but it had a weird tone compared to the rest of the video. <laughs> Uh, well, we got some really good questions, uh, all the way from deep dives to, to kind of high level stuff. Um, you can hit me. I'm tired and still wading through stuff. I'll try to answer as many as I can, as best as I can. Hey, you're doing a great job so far. I love it. Um, Beto Matthias uh, is asking about uh, PCIe Gen 4. Do you think Gen 3 will be enough or do you think we're looking to upgrading our, our motherboards to Gen 4? Uh, I think it. This I think you're gonna want PCIe Gen 4 for RTX IO, as you might want it if you get a 3090. But the higher clock speeds of Intel parts, I mean, don't underestimate that. Most most games still want higher clock speeds. So uh, I thought about it. I'm keeping our overclocked. 8700K for testing for now because that's right up there with the 10900K stock still. Uh, and I think that'll be fine and won't bottleneck at the higher resolutions, 1440p and 4K. Uh, and I don't think that the move to PCIe 4 will have significant impact enough to switch over test systems to something that might not you know, get as high frame rates. Like Ryzen isn't going to be able to hang with an Intel high-end Core i7-i9 chip at 1080p resolution, let's say. And so you need to have a system that most people still have Intel. That was rambling, but I hope that all made sense. Well, and it's one of the things we talked about yesterday. Like if, if, if it performed truly better on Gen 4, they probably would have showed those numbers to just be like, look how even bigger of a jump, you know, like, right? Yeah, they were all on uh, i9. All the numbers were on i9. I, I yeah. noticed that. Yeah. Because NVIDIA has no problems, you know, dumping on Intel, right? If they had Ryzen numbers that were better, I think they would have showed them. That system that they make, the DGX, it runs Ryzen now because Ryzen has PCIe 4. So I, Intel puts its best foot forward. So I think that it's very telling that that happened. But I do think PCIe 4 will make a difference for that RTX IO slash direct storage stuff. So uh, I might upgrade our system to AMD, which would be a first time ever, if 4th Gen Ryzen winds up kicking ass. Just so. If, they, if that can get on par with Intel, then in that case, I would switch to a Ryzen system. It's a kitty party in here. Um, so uh, Malko... <laughs> Milev uh, asked, will there be a Titan variant? And I'm going to add on that. Uh, do you think there's going to be, uh, you know, room for a, uh, maybe like a 3080 Ti? Like people are speculating what, what, what can be done in those other price areas? Uh, there is a Titan variant. It's called the 3090. It costs significantly <laughs> less than it did before. So you should be happy for that. <laughs> uh, that's my honest answer. I think that is effectively the Titan. They just call it the 3090. So it ostensibly has a GeForce uh, branding on it so that if when Big Navi comes out, if it somehow 
topples the 3080, you know, they'll still have the 3090 on top there in the benchmark charts. So I think that is going to be your Titan. I think it's, you know, just marketing that they called it the 3090. Uh, And adding to that fact is I think the fact that it does have those SLI fingers because, you know, that's very useful for compute tests, a lot of compute tests, you know, video editing workloads and stuff like that. So the fact that, oh, that's the only card that still has it lends credence to that idea, in my opinion. Uh, as for uh, 3080 Ti, I think it's going to happen. Uh, spoiler alert, I actually have an article about this going up tomorrow that I wrote over the weekend because I, oh, the leak said there wasn't going to be a 3080 Ti. Uh, what, I think they're... Ho- I think what's they're, the rationale? Uh, there's a couple different ones. Uh, one, the 3090 is utterly ridiculous, and if they had called it the 3080 Ti and they came out and charged... 1400 bucks 1500 bucks for it instead of 1200 bucks people would have gotten mad and done reactionary articles so this lets them continue to push the pricing curve uh which they probably need to do with as feature stuffed as that card is like 24 gigabytes of gddr6x ram ain't gonna be cheap uh so i think that's part of it so they can charge more for it uh and i think another part is uh so if big navi does come out and it is, let's say, 50% faster than the 2080 Ti, which some of the rumors have said. Uh, and that puts it just a little bit ahead of the 3080. Then NVIDIA can be like, oh, hey, here's a 3080 Ti that's 5% more than that and has 20 gigabytes of RAM. So I think it's all just leaving room to, like, the 3090 is here to t- top AMD in the benchmark charts now to be able to let them charge more money for it now and leave room for a 3080 Ti, you know, break in case of emergency kind of a thing. Which NVIDIA loves to have, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Something I was actually, uh, again, I guess, spoiler alert uh, from my article tomorrow. I was going back looking. If you look at all the other, the 2080 Ti is the outlier. If you go back and look, like uh, the 1080 Ti was priced at 700 bucks which stunned everybody at the time because it offered so much more than the $600 1080. Uh, and they did that just to dump on Vega. They held it forever waiting for Vega to launch. Vega never launched, so they're just like, fine, we'll just launch it anyway at 700 bucks. Have fun with that, guys. Uh, so it was just dumping on Vega. And if you go back and look at the 980 Ti, they released that like a week before the Radeon Fury X with like 2% more performance than the Fury X had. So they just released that, again, at a low price because the Fury X had... HBM2 memory and exotic water cooling. So they use the TI card just to dump on AMD again. So my guess is that's what they're holding it in reserve for. Nice. Uh, we got uh, a couple super chats I want to get through. Uh, Eska Monster gave us 20 Danish Krone. Thank you. Says cute cats. Uh, yes, cats are always cute. Uh, and RTA Motorsports gave us $5. Thank you. Uh, and asks, are you... Are us 2080 Ti owners forced to upgrade to the 3090? What do you think? Uh, what do you think there will be a, a 3080 Ti? Will the 3080 be enough non-ray trace performance? You kind of answered about 3080 Ti, but uh, in terms of ray tracing performance, do you think the jump from a 2080 Ti to a 3080 is uh, going to be big? Uh, we're going to have to wait and see for testing. Obviously, I always you know give that caveat, but. Uh, on paper, it looks like it's going to be a pretty significant jump in ray tracing performance, uh, especially if paired with the LSS. We don't know how much yet. So, you know, I might 
you know, sit tight and hold out and wait for that. Uh, the 3080 is already looking like it's going to be 30-ish, 40% faster than the 2080 Ti. So if you really, you know, jumped in to upgrade, that might be a good option. But I would, I would, all the numbers that NVIDIA showed uh, make it look like this is going to be a great upgrade pretty much across the board, but I would still, NVIDIA has a habit of very much being able to cherry pick its numbers to show it in ways that look great, that don't necessarily translate 100% to that in the real world, so... Every company does that, but NVIDIA is real good at it. If you go back and remember the 2080 launch, there's a lot of debate around that. So, Got it. But, you know, I, I do think that it's funny because I was talking with somebody who has a, a 2080 Ti, and he's he was basically like, yeah, I think I'm going to get a 3090, right? Because you have to realize there is a class of buyer that if you bought a $1,200 graphics card in the first place, you're probably not even going to think twice about buying a $1,500 graphics card. Oh, yeah, totally. If you can swing it, why not? That's just that class. I'm not trying to thing. talk them out of it. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, yeah. I think 3090 is a, is a natural upgrade. But, yeah, you, I would want to wait to see more performance numbers out of the 3090 because mm-hmm. they really didn't get into that. But They didn't touch on anything. If you go to their website, they have some 8K performance numbers, though. I do wonder, though, like, do you think that was – it was so odd that 3090 was just simply – we didn't talk about it. Is it? I sort of theorized yesterday that the performance is going to be off the page, so they just wanted to leave that as like a surprise when people actually get the thing in their hands. Or, I mean, worst case is like, whoa, this thing is not really performing as well as we expected. Is it because like, hey, you know what, 4K panels not enough for this? I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's gonna smash. I think it's gonna be absolutely ludicrous what it does i wouldn't be surprised if they're just holding that to be the mic drop moment like you were just saying like if you look at the cuda core account uh the 3080 has 8700 uh the 3090 has almost 3000 more than that so it's gonna be real freaking fast and again the 2080 ti only had 4400 total so this thing has you know, we don't know what changes are in the Ampere architecture that could make them more efficient to begin with, uh, aside from the fact they have double as much shaders per SM, it looks like. Uh, but this thing has almost a 2080 Ti on top of the 3080, so it's it's going to be nuts. I think that's they're just waiting to, like, you, you'll see. You'll let, we'll let other people talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Andre Williams uh, gave us $10 super chat. Thank you so much. That is awesome. Uh, this is for Gordon. What happened to the days of partner cards giving double the RAM in the custom cards? When the basic card was at 1 gig, uh, RAM, the custom cards at 2 gig, did they get yelled at? I, I don't think they necessarily got yelled at. And I think there are rumors of high RAM count um, 3080 cards coming out. I think I read that today. So... I think there's probably a point where it just doesn't matter that much. I know that in the past, people would cynically just add memory to very low-end cards because, hey, it's got more memory. And honestly, the average consumer looks at, hey, it's got four gigs. This other card only has two gigs. Did it matter? Probably not. Can the actual graphics core behind it actually push all that memory? Like, you sort of would need it for high resolution. Well, if the core sucks so badly that you can't push, you know, 1440p on it, then what was the point, right? But they know people buy on more memory. 
Um, I just think that the partners have decided the value probably isn't there in just adding memory, especially at the prices of the, the memory. Probably the value with these cards that are so opportunistic is like, hell, let's, let's, let's design the best cooler we've ever made, right? So they've got these coolers that are just insanely huge. They're like the Asus card that their 3090, 3080 card has three 8-pins, uses more power. It's got three fans. They've redesigned the fan system, the cooling system. They also have a little hole, you know, in the PCB to sort of do what the the uh, the Founders Edition cards do by blowing the air through that. So they, they are looking probably at adding value where it's more useful. You know, it's again, it's like, do you really need a a 1650 with you know, 10 gigs of RAM in it. You know, like, what what the hell is that going to get you, right? But, you know, I tell you, people did that. They did that with a lot of cards. They just put more memory on it when it's cheap and people bought them, even though it didn't matter. So I I don't think his days are gone, but they're doing it when it makes sense. And, you know, there are, there are rumors of, I think, a 24 gig or 20 gig, you know, uh, 3080 card from one of the partners. So who knows? I think it's interesting, speaking of partner cards, uh, NVIDIA obviously engineered its thing to use that new 12-pin adapter. Uh, so we didn't touch on that earlier, but it, essentially you plug two 8-pin power connectors into an adapter that is a proprietary NVIDIA 12-pin. You plug it in to the middle of the card, which is kind of even more ugly. Uh, and then it runs off of that. But all the actual traditional board partners are, or all the board partners just using traditional that I've seen so far, you know, two or three eight pin design so mm. it looks like nvidia is going to be the only one using that adapter that i've seen so far yeah we, we did have somebody ask that in the uh, the chat do you think the uh kashif was asking do you think the 12 pin connector uh, will start a new trend uh, and i'm going to follow up and ask um uh, a confusion i had because on their site for the 3070 it the spec and maybe this is just wrong on their site said in one eight pin uh, it didn't say anything about a 12-pin, but obviously on the renders and, you know, we, we can see the 12-pin the there. Do it's you think because, that was just a mistake? Uh, or? No, I don't think it was a mistake. I just think it's poorly communicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still going to need the two 8-pin connectors coming out of your power supply that everybody already has. You don't have to get a new power supply. And then I'm guessing, uh, judging by what I've seen, I think Seasonic had one out a couple weeks yeah. ago. And you plug the two 8-pin connectors into the adapter that goes down into one of those 12 pin smaller adapters and you plug that one which okay. power supply adapters can be kind of unreliable sometimes uh so i'm real curious to see how this goes yeah yeah i i kind of wonder though for that 3070 because it is a single 12 pin if the render's right and they say it only needs a single eight pin are they just going to have the same you know dual eight to 12 pin connector and then just plug one in oh, i hope man. not i don't think it's bad. That's, NVIDIA, that would be ugly, the right? Founders Edition cards, NVIDIA actually, I'm really impressed by the fit and finish they put in those. Like, they're, they're really, really good reference cards. They, they, someone cares over there, you could tell. So I would expect there to be its own. I don't think they would just throw the 2X8 pin in the box. I or hope maybe. not. That thing's already, can you, uh, I'm an aesthetics guy as far as PCs go. Uh, plugging a, a cord into the middle of the graphics card already because the pin, the connectors in the middle of the graphics card in the side yeah. of it, and it's going to have an adapter hanging off of it. I mean, ugh. yeah, mm-hmm. and then for people who are really into that aesthetic too, it's like, oh my god, I've got my LED rainbow combs. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> and then you plug in this black NVIDIA adapter. It's like, uh. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, you'd be like, the, how do I get the ASUS model right? This not is, only is it in the middle, it's also vertical orientation. So you know, like those, I, I'm curious to see the tricks people are going to do. I wonder if there's yeah. going to be like a little bracket that you can plug in, and then you plug the eight pin in, like underneath or something. What I'm more curious about is if they're going to use the same uh, 12-pin uh, plug for the lower-end cards, because I feel like in this space, with like if you're going to spend $500 or more on a graphics card, you're probably going to be more likely to have a modular power supply or be willing to buy like you know, if uh, say like down the road Corsair is like, oh, we released a, a cable, a 12-pin cable that you can it's compatible with our power supplies, right? But Even in the GDRs lower end, shown that. but in the lower end, more often than not, you're you're using non-modular power supplies. A lot of people already have existing power supplies that don't have that kind of pinout. But you know, honestly, again, I'm just thinking out loud right now. But I guess maybe also at that end, you don't care about cable management, even mm-hmm. though tempered glass is so popular now, even mm-hmm. in uh, budget cases. I, uh... I wonder how that works out. I find it real. There's a couple things I find real interesting about its very existence, the 12 pin power connector. One being uh, the fact that all of the board partners are using traditional 8 pin things, mean that they don't feel like they have, they don't have the same PCB constraints that NVIDIA apparently had. Because NVIDIA's whole in the point they is said about. Yeah. is NVIDIA said we need to get that PCB space so we can focus on the cooling and all this other engineering stuff. So we need to change that so we don't have these two adapters. We just have the one vertical one now. Uh, so it's real weird to me to because oftentimes you'll, you'll buy the whole PCB, at least for the reference boards uh, in the budget cards for anything. So the fact that I'm seeing all the partners use eight pin connectors means that they're not necessarily using the same PCB that NVIDIA is using. And I find that interesting. I'm curious. Maybe to bigger see that. cards too. Yeah. Uh, which often newer PCBs come out after uh, yeah. a couple of months. So it's just a real weird launch for that. Uh, it says they've had them for already, right? Cause traditionally reference cards are so they can just get stuff on the market first, but it, yeah. it feels like, so clearly everybody who's announced with custom cards, They've had the things for months already. Yep, they would have had to. Uh, and I find it interesting that none of them have jumped on board. But I think that uh, the reason NVIDIA said it needs those 12-pin power adapters is to reclaim space. We could have that advanced cooling system. Or what it claims to be advanced is certainly an orthodox cooling system. It looks really interesting. I'm looking forward to playing around with it. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to need that on the more lower-end cards. So I wouldn't be surprised if the 12-pin connector is exclusive to the higher-end cards because they probably won't need to dissipate as much heat and they probably won't spend as much on super high-end cooling solutions and, you know, compact PCBs and stuff like that with a more mainstream value card. Uh, Going back to the 20 series, none of the GTX, the 16 series GTX cards, they even bothered putting out a reference card for. They just said, board partners, you guys do that. So, Yeah, it's interesting talking about power because Asus actually in their card said that, you know, their concern is is that you're going you're gonna to plug in a marginal power supply or even a good power supply that has been run hard and basically is not up to it. So they actually built in into their because their their card is a three eight pin design 
and they have these LEDs on it, which they used to have just to let you know you haven't plugged the thing in because you're dumb. But it has now circuitry in there to let you know, like, oh, your 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 game crashed or your system crashed because your power supply can't keep up with the transient loads on the on the on the graphics card. So they're basically saying with their 3080, 3090 card, you're going to go from you know five watts to suddenly whatever 200 watts or 300 watts or whatever that these draws the draws on this card so they they have these little leds let you know your your power supply ain't gonna cut it so i find that interesting it's it's amusing to me because it might be partly in response to amd already saying that rdna2 is going to be a 50 50 percent jump in performance per watt versus rdna1 but nvidia claiming that this is 1.9 percent more power efficient than turing ampere I'm talking about uh, during that presentation. I found that interesting. Uh, I'm sure it is in some scenarios. Uh, it's probably a very cherry picked case. Like when we were, when NVIDIA was introducing uh, the latest, the, the 2080 super for laptops, they were going on about the power efficiency and it turns out the power efficiency numbers they were citing the best case ones where, like, if you're running this particular game that enables the best version of DLSS available so you can get frame rates as high as possible, like, that kind of a thing. And I think that might be the case of what's going on. I have no doubt that Ampere is going to be more power efficient than Turing is. I don't think it's going to be 1.9%, because if you look at the 3070, it's supposedly, uh, you know, just as fast as a 2080 Ti. It's 220 watts TDP rated for on NVIDIA site. Fine, that's great. Uh, the 2080 was 2080 Ti was 260 watts, so yeah, it's a little bit more power efficient. Uh, but if you start going above that, I mean, like the 3090 is 350 watts. So, yeah, I was interested to look at the system power draws. So I did a, I was looking. So 2070 Super was 650 recommended system power. That's not necessarily you know power supply. The 2080 Super was 650. The 2080 Ti was also 650. So now for this generation, 3070 is uh, 650, 3080 is 750, so a step up in system power, and then for 3090 also 750. And I'd be real nervous running a 3090 in a freaking 750 watt power supply, especially if you're pairing it with the kind of processor that you're probably pairing that with. Yeah, their 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 determination is based on pairing with Intel, which is you know uses more power than an AMD part under load, so. It's interesting that they didn't go, they didn't, I mean, I think we talked about this before. They didn't take their efficiency from the die shrink and say, yeah, we're just going to give you the most power efficient green GPU ever. They basically say, we're going to take, floor it. (laughs) We're going to take all the efficiency we got from this new process and then we are just going to go for it. You know, that's. And it's just like I was talking about with the 3090 existing. I ain't mad about it. Like that's what I want out of my desktop graphics card. I want it to be as fast as possible. Is the hate though? Is there still hate? Because even though the twenty eighty, you got twenty eighty Ti people got so much hate from the internet, and I never could get that because you I mean, know twenty Ti was a kick ass card. I like, know, but you still got people who are like, "Oh my god, it's twelve hundred dollars." What are we all, you know, Warren Buffett kind of stuff? And <laughs> I, I mean. The value proposition more than ray tracing to me for the 2080 Ti was that it was the first card that could do 60 frames plus per second at 4K with no on Ultra. So if you're the kind of person, and that was in the era where uh, 
faster 4K monitors were only just starting to come out for like 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks. So if you're the kind of person who is spending $2,000 on, you know, a 4K 144 hertz G-Sync monitor, spending 1200 bucks for a graphics card that competed is a no-brainer. I don't understand people who, who hate it on that. The 2080 I get. The 2080 Ti is like the 3090. It's just like its own thing. It's if you're willing to pay for the best possible thing that you can get right now, then go do it. All right. Well, we we got a lot of uh, a lot of questions, a lot of chatter in here. Uh, I want to get to a couple uh, super chats. Um, we had uh, Harv Birdman gave us uh, ten dollars, and Lasalle Rhymes the third gave us five dollars. Both commenting on Gordon's awesome background. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, Travis, no Mo- mine? well, you know, and actually there's a couple people who dropped the, the Jensen background in, uh, in discord for you, Brad, uh, oh, for nice. future episodes. Um, uh, Travis Morrison, Mikhail, uh, gave us $5. Thank you. Said, do you think the new card from AMD will have the noise cancellation and podcasting tricks as NVIDIA? Uh, they haven't showed too much about Big Navi yet. They just said it's coming. It's going to be much more power efficient. Uh, we know that the consoles are relying... They don't have exotic like hardware similar to RT cores and Tensor cores. So they're, they're relying on more traditional shaders to do that kind of ray tracing processing and stuff like that. Uh, from what we know so far. Again, there's still... Details are kind of murky. Uh, and all of those NVIDIA broadcast capabilities uh, are greatly accelerated by TensorCores, so, so AI. Uh, so I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised because I know that RTX voice wound up being enabled on basic altering cards, not just RTX cards. So it can work not with TensorCores. It just imparted a more significant performance hit. So AMD could definitely come out with stuff like that. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, and we're going to have to wait and see how much performance impact it has if there's not a secret sauce behind it. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, though, because they don't want to not match that feature that NVIDIA is offering if they can. Okay. It's big. Uh, and Te- Tehama1979 gave us $5. Thank you. Said the RTX IO slide mentions it uses direct storage, part of the Xbox Velocity architecture, and my cat's in the way. Uh, so th- so is this breakthrough thanks to DirectX API and not NVIDIA? That's funny, funny question, actually. I actually just wrote an article this morning that's going to go up tomorrow talking about that. Uh, spoilers. Yeah, all kinds of spoilers. So <laughs> now you know everything I'm running tomorrow. Uh <laughs> So Microsoft engineers actually just put up a post last night explaining DirectX storage. And it seems like a lot of those capabilities that are in RTX IO uh, could very well be just a fancy branding term for the DirectX storage things. But DirectX storage doesn't, it alludes to it, but doesn't specifically say lossless decompression in the way that Jensen did for RTX IO. So that might be some secret sauce there. Uh, But by a quick look at it, it looks like it's largely just going to be NVIDIA's implementation of direct storage, which is going to be available to everybody, just like DirectX ray tracing is available to everybody. 
And that's why we're seeing the consoles and Big Navi running ray tracing, uh, even though they don't have RTX hardware, because RTX is just NVIDIA's marketing for its ray tracing capabilities, plus what it does with the tensor cores. Uh, so a lot of people tie ray tracing and RTX together, but actual ray tracing is supplied by Microsoft. Like those capabilities, anybody can tie into it. I have a feeling that RTX IOs capabilities, a lot of it is going to be that same kind of scenario. And uh, to be fair, you have, you have to realize Microsoft just doesn't come up with the spec and then just from come down from the mountain and tell people what to no. do. They work very closely with Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, and all of their hardware partners to make sure, like, if they come out with an API, that people think they can achieve it. And they do seek input because the, if the partners don't use your API, it ain't going nowhere. So I'm sure that uh, DirectX Storage was worked on with AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA, and among and others. So, I, you know, it's co-engineered is what everybody seems to be saying these <laughs> days. That's That's the new buzzword. Yeah, but what remains to be seen is how much of it is secret sauce special to NVIDIA or if it's just NVIDIA's branding for direct X storage support or direct storage support. Either way, it looks badass uh, if PCs with NVMe drives are going to be able to have instantaneous world loading, just like the consoles promise. That's going to be great because that was the one bit that had me a little bit jelly looking at all these console launches, and it's coming to PC too, so... Nice. Hmm. Interesting, Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian M. did say earlier, all of a sudden I'm underwhelmed by the next consoles. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and we got a, a five euro super chat from Mr. Cat. Awesome username. Uh, do you think AMD's upcoming cards will hey, have a chance to compete? And if so, uh, will they sell? I think people will still flock to NVIDIA. By the way, they are part of the R9 290X gang. Nice. That card was a baller back in the day. I, I haven't tested it in a while. It might still be for 1080p. Uh, it depends as far as selling. I mean, selling is more than just performance because AMD has had great cards in the past that were, you know, chart topping, and they've never managed to claim the market share that NVIDIA does. So some of that ties into marketing too. So we're going to have to see. I'm not, you know, a market analyst, so... But yeah. NVIDIA, I think, commands 80% of the market right now. So AMD has an uphill road. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't necessarily expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the biggest big Navi is able to take down the 3080. So NVIDIA's $800 card. I, I could see it in that ballpark. I don't see it coming near the 3090. I hope I'm wrong. I very much hope I'm wrong because that would be awesome. If we have, you know, both companies able to put out GPUs like that. But I think the reason, like I was saying, the 3090 exists is because it's NVIDIA going, this is the best we can do. And we've been kicking your butt for a couple generations now. You know, you're not, you might be able to beat the 3080, but you're not going to, this is going to be the top of the charts. And that's my expectation. Okay. Yeah. But, and, and yeah, put in perspective too, AMD will do fine. They will sell plenty of cards. Yeah. You know, they they make plenty of money selling uh, cards and and that 80% share that Brad just mentioned that just happened in the last that last quarter as much as people hated on the the 20 series Nvidia actually sold more of them in the last quarter than the previous quarter in the same year so 
they picked up a lot of a lot of market from AMD in the last in the last quarter. So there, I think there's enough for both. Yeah, definitely. The 20 series got a lot more appealing once first gen Navi appeared and made the super refreshes come out and Nvidia drop prices. So I'm not surprised that they picked up sales in the second half. Okay. Uh, before we get to some more questions, because boy, do we have a ton of them. Uh, <laughs> some people had uh, mentioned in the chat that uh, video cards uh, ran a post um, uh, saying that Lenovo launches their Legion T7 line with a GeForce RTX 3070 Ti uh, listed as one of the specifications, and it's a 16 gigabyte model. Uh, do you know anything about that? Is this a mistake? Did Lenovo accidentally just leak this card? Because obviously NVIDIA didn't talk about it. I doubt they would roll out a 3070 Ti anytime soon. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of errors with the leaks this time around. I think NVIDIA was playing it very close to the chest and given just basic details and partners were running with what they thought. I wouldn't be surprised if I believe that uh, I read that post. I believe they said the 70, 30 70 Ti had more uh, memory capacity, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's just what it winds up being, like a version of the 3070 with more memory capacity for $50 more or something like that. I would be surprised if they launch a 3070 Ti anytime soon, especially, you know, there's only $200 difference between the 3070 and the 3080 this time around, which good on NVIDIA for not having a founder's edition tax this time. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, that would be my guess. Uh, nothing's beneficial. I mean, I haven't heard anything from NVIDIA outside of what you guys have watched. Uh, I watched the briefing at the same time you did. I've gone through the web pages, the exact same as y'all. I don't have any special info right now. Okay. Uh, also, um, Mortari is asking, do you have any special info on supermodels? Are they going to come anytime soon? Should they wait? Uh, I would doubt it. I would think if supermodels come around, it'll be a bit. Uh, I think there might be a 3080 Ti. I'm curious to see if it's called a 3080 Ti or a 3080 Super. Uh, and I think that will launch in response to Big Navi whenever that is. Okay. I think you should wait for 40 series. Is, is <laughs> wait for, yeah. There will be a faster and better graphics card. So. Yeah, spoilers. There will be something Spoiler. better done. <laughs> yep. uh, there will got, be bigger Navi. Bigger Navi. Got a couple questions uh, that I'm going to aim at Elena. Uh, Soul Assassin and Sinks Official was asking about uh, prices of, of 20 series. Um, do you think the uh, 2080 Ti would be a good deal if they found one used for $450? Uh, and do you think the uh, 20 series pricing is going to go down once the 3000 series is, is out? Um. So I actually haven't looked too much into what supply is like right now and what the used market already looks like in the wake of the announcements. Um, I was pretty busy, yes, pretty busy yesterday and this morning. Um, I would say a used 2080 Ti for 450 doesn't sound appealing to me if you can get a 3070 for $500 because one, it being new means that you know the history of it, which is non-used and uh two you're going to get the benefits you're, that, that extra fifty dollars is going to give you the benefits of you know the generation uh the new generation 
I mean, if you were able to get a used 2080 Ti from a trusted source for three hundred dollars, uh, three fifty, uh, maybe it'd be more appealing. But no, I mean, for me, that's that's that would not be a thing that I would do personally. I feel like I missed half the question. <laughs> I have some inf- I I have some input on this. I say, here's my thought. I know. Well. I- <laughs> Hell, if you're getting a $1,200 graphics card for $450, that is a pretty good deal. I mean, I know there's always that, like, what'd you do with this card? You know, like, were you, like, you know, playing baseball with it? I don't, beyond that, I just think that a $1,200 card for $450 is really appealing, but I would probably want to wait for 3070 reviews because if 3070 really just destroys the 2080 Ti, then yeah, I'd probably want a 30, 30, 70, but I, it really very much depends on how optimistic their, their benchmark claims were, right? So if it's like, ah, oh, actually, if a 2080 Ti is still definitely much faster than 3070 and a lot of conventional gaming, then maybe it's worth it, to be honest. I have a, they didn't know, show rasterization performance. They didn't show, so I think there's a chance. I think the thing is, you put that eBay deal on, you know, watch, wait for the reviews to come out. And if the reviews say, nope, 2080 Ti is still good if you can get it for a good price. And $450 is a good price. So they I didn't, mean, they didn't again, show rasterization performance on the stream, but they did on the site after. Oh, they they did, have okay. it in uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, Doom Eternal, and Borderlands 3. Uh, I have it in a couple of different articles on PUC where people want to see it. They don't have the 2080 Ti in there. They just compare it against the 70 Super and 80 Super. But it is a decent amount faster than the 2080 Super, uh, maybe 1.2 to 1.3%. So my guess is between that and the way the performance chart lined up that NVIDIA did show, showing relative performance, I'm guessing it's going to be like it was when they launched the 1070, saying it's faster than the 980 Ti. It was like 2% faster, so they could technically make that claim. That That's going to be my guess on where yeah. that falls. Right. Yeah. But again, I st- I don't I really think, especially given the context of the thirty series cards, that uh, in this case I would not say that oh you're getting a four hundred and fifty dollar uh, you know twenty ATI that used to be twelve hundred dollars like I don't think that applies in this case. I really think that you should see it in context of how does it stack up against the five hundred dollar thirty seventy? What's availability like for the thirty seventy? And how patient are you? I hundred percent uh, agree. Uh, oh. I have a question, Elena. Uh, I can get a 1080 Ti for $450. Should I buy that 1080 Ti for $450? Right now, today? Well, I just, I'm wondering because I've heard so many, you right know. Right now, today? Well, what, what, if, what if you already have a 1080 Ti and you want a second one to run an SLI? And you found one for four hundred dollars. I'm just, I just want to know how, <laughs> what the just right, correct buying advice there is. Should I buy a 1080 Ti for four hundred fifty dollars? I mean, the year is no longer 2018, so I would say only in very, very mm-hmm. extreme, rare uh, cases uh, like Chuck, Adam outlined. Uh, Chuck in YouTube says easy, yes. <laughs> actually, I, I have something I want to actually say. say. <laughs> yeah, I have something I want to actually say about this topic. Uh, one, uh, the 28 Ti has three gigabytes more memory. It's just worth throwing that out there. I would also wait for reviews and everything Elena says, a hundred percent agree with, uh, so the 28 Ti has three gigabytes more, 
uh, memory. So if reviews come out and they do wind up neck and neck like I'm thinking they're going to, uh, you're going to have to ask yourself, do you want that three gigabytes more memory and the extra 50 bucks or $50 less if you can find it for 450 the 20 ATI? Or do you want to get the 3070, which has similar performance for $50 more, but it supports PCIe 4.0 and the potential for that, you know, RTIO and direct storage? Because to me, I if that winds up getting adopted very well, uh, that could like be a game changing technology on the PC. And considering that direct storage, uh, you know, is the part of the backbone behind the, the, the ultra fast Xbox storage that all the game developers are going to be targeting. It should be very easy to port it over to PC once that happens early next year. So if you're going to bet on a future technology, that seems like a pretty good one to bet on. So I would just keep that in mind before I go and spend close to 3070 prices for a 2080 Ti, which won't be able to support that. And the gel- gelatin writer says, uh, and a 2080 Ti uses 40 more watts. Just you know, there you go. I don't care. Like I said, put the pedals to the metal, burn it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Drew Natu uh, asks. And a very important question. How about availability? What would be the best way to get one ASAP? ASAP. This kind of ties into what Gordon was teasing me before the show. Uh, I always say don't pre-order. But this year, if you have your eye on a card and you can find one that you like at a, reta- at a retailer that will accept cancellations on pre-orders or on opened returned boxes, I would strongly consider pre-ordering these particular cards this time around because all the weirdness in the world, we have no idea how tight the supply chains are. Uh, Things are taking a lot longer to ship these days. There's a very good chance that after that first wave hits, we have no idea. It could be a small first wave. Hopefully NVIDIA has been stockpiling these for months and months. If not, you know, the first wave sells out. How long is it going to be before we see more? So if you're like, hey, man, I want to get a 3070, I'm just going to wait for reviews. If, you, if you're able to find it, like Amazon does great with returns, and find one at Amazon and put your $500 down, wait for those reviews. If you don't like what you see, you can hit the refund button, do it. That's what I would recommend this time around. So you would actually pre-order? I would in this specific case, yes, which is super weird because I'm very much the never pre-order kind of guy. <laughs> How much but, did they pay you to say that? <laughs> well, I am also wearing a Minecraft shirt, so you know I'm in Nvidia's pocket. Ah. There are there are really downsides to not pre-ordering sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Like just like on the 3900X and 3950X, like if you didn't get in on those pre-orders for those those high core count Ryzen's, you were like you were like you were not getting a chip for like three months. You know, so it's, it's to me it's. I don't like rewarding companies saying we'll take your money without giving you any sort of objective evaluations of it. <laughs> I don't like that. In general, it's just a philosophy thing. But it's less scary when it's a known quantity. So I, if you knew you wanted 12 cores of Ryzen, we already know what Ryzen's been doing for two generations now. I would feel more comfortable. I would have felt more comfortable pre-ordering that 12-core third-gen Ryzen you know, than I would the RTX 20 series, because the RTX 20 series, they didn't show any comparison to traditional games, and we see that wound up being disappointed year on year. That's why we wound up with the 1080 Ti. 
versus 2080. Uh, no ray tracing games were out, et cetera, et cetera. There's just way too many question marks, and that's how it is for a lot of graphics cards. Uh, in this case, it looks like these cards are going to womp ass, and they're probably going to be hard to get. So, I mean, find a place that you can do refunds otherwise, but yeah. these look like a good bet. And to tack on to what Brad just said, I would say that if you're someone who's on the fence, but think that it could be a strong likelihood that you would get it, even though you want to wait to see how the numbers shake out, find a place that has a good return policy, like an easy return policy, no restocking fee, that kind of thing. Because at least that way you have the option to immediately either roll to it when it comes out or return it, as opposed to looking at the numbers and saying, oh, I think I do want to go with 30 series card and then having to wait a while for it. So that'll help reduce the potential for months of waiting. Nice. Uh, So it was funny. Everyone jumped on, you know, just buy it last generation. But that's pretty much what we're saying right now. Just buy it and figure it out. Nope, PC World. I just uh, just saw a post. PC World says just buy it. (laughs) Um, Do we have any hard outs? Anybody got time restraints? I'm good. All right, because we we still got questions. Preferably for... For me, preferably if we can wrap it up in the next hour. Okay, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, me too. Uh, so, Genesis Siberian uh, asked earlier um, the reference 3080 and 3090 cards blow hot air over the RAM and CPU. How bad is it for the system, and what can be done to mitigate it? We're gonna have to see that. Isn't isn't that's very interesting to me? It's a really unique cooling configuration that could very well affect the performance, especially in air-cooled systems of your RAM and your CPU. Uh, we're going to have to wait for testing. I'm actually, uh, I'm, you know, personally really looking forward to seeing Gamers Nexus's testing on that. I think those guys do excellent cooler reviews as well as case reviews. And, you know, that's not our strong point. That dude nails it. I'm looking forward to see how, you know, how it shakes out. But there is a very real possibility that if you don't have good cooling, that having a faster graphics card can make your CPU slower if you're using the air cooler. It might make water coolers more attractive now because, you know, you can move that out of the way of that path. Uh, You're definitely going to want a rear outblowing fan. You're going to want positive air pressure, I think it is. I always get them confused. But you're going to want the outtake out of the back so that's not blowing that back into your system. So real, real interesting. Yeah, I think Steve talked about that yesterday. That he really he thinks it's gonna it's gonna change people's view on air coolers because everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you know, CLC suck. I want air cooler, no maintenance, they don't leak." But those things are going to eat hot air from not only the founder resistant card, but the Strix ROG does the same thing. They bench, they essentially blow hot air up directly over the RAM where it's supposed to be sucked out through the rear of the case. You know, with an air cooler, that means you're eating hot air. So with the CLC, it it may end up actually winning winning in all this. Interestingly, <laughs> it depends on how effective it is too. Be- it's always going to matter, and it could always uh, potentially affect your CPU performance. But if the cooler is really as effective as Nvidia claims, I think they said it was thirty degrees cooler than the RTX Titan design. Even though this draws more wattage, then it might not be terrible. So we're going to have to wait and see. You know all the specifics you know what could help is we redesign atx but you know <laughs> discussion for another day yeah there's somebody who's totally behind that 
Uh, I think I know him. Um, so over on Discord, I'm finally getting over to Discord. Uh, Costa, yeah, we have a ton of questions. Uh, Costa Del Paul has a good question. Uh, the recommended uh, power supply for the 3080 is 750 watts. Uh, they have a 30, uh, 3900X with a thermal take uh, 300 or 730 watt bronze PSU. Do you think you can get away with pairing a, a 39, 3900X with a 3080 and a 730 How many watts watt? was it? 730, 730. watts. Well, I have an opinion. <laughs> I think I, one, I would give it more you room. Want to, I'd give it uh, to me. If you have two super high end parts like that, and you're looking to games, stress both of those parts. So, 750 has been fine for a while. That's what I have in my system. I have 650 actually with my 2080 Ti in here, uh, and it holds up just fine. But 750 with a 3080 in a in a 12 core part might might be pushing it yeah i would put, one, i would buy the new one and throw it in and then if it doesn't work then buy a power supply but one one thing you have to remember is their 750 recommended po- uh, system power is based on an intel build which uses considerably more power under uh, all core loads than uh, in a ryzen so you may get away with it because ryzen is just more efficient at at heavy loads but the only thing that kind of gets me in all this if you say oh yeah i have a 730 watt platinum or gold then that sort of says Higher efficiency, higher quality power supply. Bronze is typically lower bin, so that might be the problem, especially especially on a hot day. You get to a really hot day, you know, my office here gets to 80 with the AC on, and you're just cooking that case. The power supply puts out less power. Everything is just, it could be a recipe for disaster there. So I think you're very much on the borderline there, even though I think if you had a 730, you know, platinum or 730 gold i think you'd probably be safe but yeah wait, yeah bronze gordon. is fine in most cases it's just that this is so close to the edge but wait gordon i thought you told us all before that if it's a problem on a hot day you just take off the side panels on <laughs> oh the i case. do that <laughs> no in fact i i do that but it doesn't it doesn't it, if it's a hot day it, <laughs> if it's hot in your machine it helps but if the entire office is so hot Taking off the side of the case, it's just you're just eating ambient high hot air too. In fact, my son's machine down here at the left, the side is off, right? Because I probably need to repaste the CPU because. And the funny thing is, it had been just randomly, sporadically crashing just in a browser. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to do the old trick of taking the side off. It did it. It hasn't crashed since. <laughs> so clearly, I have a cooling problem somewhere in that machine. I'm not bothered to look at because it works fine with the side off. Okay. Um, Hul- Hulgari, uh, Hulgari, uh, on Discord, um, do you think they're not talking much about the 3090 simply because supply will be short? Is this a paper launch in essence? Uh, I think supply will be short. I also think, uh, you know, demand won't be anywhere as near as for the lower end cards. I think like we were talking about earlier, it's just, I think it's going to blow your socks off in there rather than talking it up themselves they're just going to let me and steve at gamer nexus and all the other reviewers say hey this thing kicks ass i i have a question from yesterday brad do mm-hmm. you think 3090 will sell out first or 3070 <laughs> i think they will both sell out <laughs> i think everything is going to sell out <laughs> which one first? <laughs> I'd be surprised if you could find any of them the day after they go on sale. Yeah. Or a couple hours. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, 40 The 3090 40. might last a day, so I guess I think the 3070 will sell out. It depends on how many they have. That's a ridiculously, that's a ridiculous chip. So, and a ridiculous question. Uh, <laughs> we love it though. Well, I, I'm going <laughs> to ask Nvidia PR if they could tell us which card sold. <laughs> I want to know. I'm sure Set 3090 between us. I think 3090 is going to Yeah, come on. Out. Off the record, just we have this bet going. <laughs> uh, Eek44 gave us uh, 45 uh, Danish Krone. Thank you. Uh, would my Core i9 a 9900K bottleneck with a 3080? It runs at uh, 5.1 gigahertz. Uh, I would not think so whatsoever. No, okay. uh, yeah, no. That was easy. <laughs> um, how... Halgari uh, had another question uh, in Discord. I have a 1440p monitor and a max of 144 hertz. I want a 3090, but something tells me uh, I can never use that amount of power. Is there any reason to try to get a 3090 for normal use with that monitor? Uh, if you just want the biggest, baddest, you know, if you want 144 hertz at 144p with never having to take anything off of Ultra, I mean, that'll definitely do it. I suspect that the 3080 will also do it in the vast majority of games i think that thing is going to be awesome for high refresh rate 1440p but 3090 is guaranteed to do it i would say what about ray trace games though i mean it'd be hard for me to believe you can you can bust 14 1440p 144 yeah. with yep. ray tracing yep. on yep. and retracing is reality now in games yep uh it's getting to be I wouldn't say is, but it is, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's a good point. NVIDIA says these are going to be much better at ray tracing in DLSS. We have, I mean, you, they have a couple of charts you can just kind of try to eyeball, but we're going to have to wait and see if you want ray trace cyberpunk ray tracing as high frame rate as possible on a monitor like that. It might take a 3090. Nice. Uh, all right, we got a, a question that kind of pops up around every GPU test, Brad. Uh, old man Brian says, um, since Brad has a VR headset, could he do some VRAM testing with the new 30 series? Uh, maybe. I will if I can. Uh, so peek behind the curtain, usually get graphics cards with not as much time to test them as you would like to test them, and spend many, many hours during the day and night getting what we already do done. And with VR being much smaller than they were hoping it would be, getting out of the box, uh, you know, out of the gate, uh, that would be a secondary priority for me. Uh, I will if I can, though. But I think that would take a backseat to testing more traditional games uh, with a new card like this testing with DLSS and RTX on and off to see, you know, how much of a difference the new tensor cores make compared to the new RT cores, stuff like that. I think testing like that would be more fruitful for information than for a wider audience than VR testing. Uh, But that being said, if I have time, I will try. Hopefully that makes sense. I know. (laughs) Uh, VC we, Jester we, just we gave us five dollars and actually... said uh, he can help you test bread. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, 
we used to actually. I did a big benchmarking article uh, when all this first started coming out, and I had the I think the Oculus Dev Kit or the first gen Oculus and the Vive, and it flopped. Uh, VR based traffic, like the people who are into it, are really into it, but a lot of people don't care about it whatsoever, which is a harsh truth. It sucks because VR is awesome, but it is what it is. It's just a question of prioritizing because we do get graphics card typically very late with not as much time to test everything as we would ideally like to. But it could be a follow-up test. Once I have all three cards in my hand, I would probably be more likely to do follow-up testing for this whole generation versus the previous generation. Okay, Brad, I have a a question regarding VR because... We noticed that there's no more USB-C connector in these cards. Do you have any thoughts? Virtual Link. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. Uh, like I was just saying, it it not only did it not blow up as expected, I think the death of that connector specifically has more to do with the VR headsets themselves because at the time that the RTX 20 series come out, Virtual Link had also just been announced and all the major industry VR players that said they were going to support it. Uh, two years later, not a single one of the major VR headsets supports it. So I can't blame NVIDIA for kicking it, you know, to the curb. Bummer. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Hardware Geek, a.k.a. Big Mama, says, uh, How will the RTX 3, uh, 30 series launch affect PC hardware stores? Uh, what are they going to do with the current uh, 20 series stock? Uh, yeah. Do they get compensated by NVIDIA if it doesn't sell? Uh, I doubt it, uh, because NVIDIA doesn't, except for the Founders Edition cards, NVIDIA doesn't sell anybody graphics cards. NVIDIA sells GPUs and boards to its board partners because they don't want to handle all that crap because that stuff can get very messy. So it's EVGA selling you the card. It's MSI and ASUS and Zotac. Uh, it's not NVIDIA or AMD. Uh, it depends. It's going to depend on, you know, individual business relationships but i wouldn't be surprised if this year people just wind up eating eating some stock although they they've had well they've had notifications of when this is coming yeah so they they run down their stock they don't want to like hey i want to be left with 20,000 you know 2080s at this point they've they've run everything down probably for the last few months yeah and it's hard for, because he's asking specifically about stores in my head i heard yeah physical stores so that's more difficult if they don't have an online presence because if you look online uh especially these higher end cards they're actually selling for more now than they were a year ago because stock has been dwindling and in other countries are having uh cryptocurrency booms so they're more in demand uh so a lot of the stock is gone i don't know how many are left in physical stores though yeah that does suck retailers i took a picture at a retailer that had a kb lake x Sitting on the shelf. Was, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's, you a, couldn't that's buy a historical item. You know, you should, should, you should, should yeah, just pick you that couldn't. Up. But this is when you couldn't find any CPUs, Intel or AMD. They were just <laughs> yeah. hot. Like, it's an KB Lake X here. No one's going to buy that. <laughs> I also think that this is going to depend on demand in general for the newer cards because I just think that it's hard to predict what's going to happen to older stock. Uh, independent of the context it sits in, right? Because if it's not moving at all, then retailers are going to have an incentive to lower prices and try to get off the shelves. If there is just shortages on the newer cards and people are desperate to upgrade, then they might not need to do that and so on and so forth. 
Nice. Uh, about three more questions for the RTX stuff, and then we'll move to just some general Q&A. There's, there's a little bit of that. Um, the King Prawn uh, asks, uh, do you think the 30 series cards spell the shift from 1080p gaming to 1440p gaming as the new standard? Uh, it would be nice. Uh, I think it's it's definitely going to make 1440p a lot more affordable. And if, if you didn't mind playing at high instead of ultra, the $200, $250 graphics cards already are capable of 1440p, like uh, the 580, the 590, the GTX 1660. You can play 1440p with those. Uh, we haven't seen a large shift over to 1440p in things like the Steam hardware survey because, I mean, I'm not talking... I don't have any data to back this up, but personally, I feel that people treat monitors basically like kitchen appliances. You know, when it breaks, they get a new one. Uh, unless you have a reason to upgrade, a lot of people just won't. So uh, it'll make 1440p at higher quality more affordable for us geeks who care, but I don't think it's going to necessarily spawn a wider industry trend. Okay. Uh, Master Procrastinator asked, uh, "What do you expect RTX IO? Uh, would you expect RTX IO to simply use free space on your SSD, or would it require a dedicated device partition?" Well, I think the the idea behind it is that uh, game developers code their game to work in this specific way when uh all the supporting hardware is set up and configured correctly so if you have an nvme drive if you have you know uh, a geforce 3000 series or a 30 series gpu or amd equivalent if that winds up happening and you have all those things in the game themselves hooks into apis that tells the storage drive instead of sending all this information to the cpu to come down through memory etc etc it says send all this stuff just straight to the gpu instead because we can send it straight to the gpu memory uh it's a lot faster we're cutting out the middleman gpus are better at parallel tasks just send it there so i don't think it's necessarily going to take a separate partition i don't think it's necessarily going to take you know dedicated extra space i think it's just going to be when it works uh, we're still waiting for all the hardcore details. I could very well be wrong, but that's my gut reaction looking at what's been published so far. And to piggyback off that, uh, they asked, uh, they only mentioned PCIe 4 devices. Do you think uh, PCIe 3 NVMe SSDs would work or SATA SSDs? Okay, so yes, that is a question. Uh, it, it might depend on the implementation. It might just be for the purpose of illustrating uh, the bandwidth requirements that come from using an ultra-fast PCIe 4.0 SSD using all those CPU cords, if you remember the illustration, uh, because the actual Microsoft Direct Storage, it only specifies you need an NVMe drive. Uh, it doesn't say you need a PCIe 4 NVMe drive, just an NVMe drive. Uh, one, because they're so much faster. Two, because uh, NVMe queues... Uh, you can have more NV, NVMe drives have special things called queues and they can have a bunch of things queued up in those queues. And then they can just dump all those in parallel over to the GPU and the GPU memory. And those are good at executing parallel tasks. So you NVMe and RTX IO uh, graphics card is what you need. Uh, I don't think you're going to need PCIe 4.0 necessarily. 
uh, you will not be able to use the SATA drive for it. Okay. Makes sense. That being said, you know, just to shamelessly plug our stuff again, uh, we have a best SSD roundup, and you can get some NVMe drives at very affordable prices these days. So if you, you know, there's no rush to go do it yet because this isn't going to come out till next year sometime. But don't be scared off by NVMe prices. It's not anywhere near as bad as it used to be. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gordon can probably hop in on this one too. Uh, Black Mamba 24 asks, I'm planning to buy a 3080 because of HDMI 2.1 support for their LG C9 TV. I've researched around for cables and information about actual HDMI 2.1, 48 gigabit per second cables are all over the place. Uh, do you guys have any recommendations for the actual high-end HDMI 2.1, 48 gigabit per second uh, cable? Maybe Elena has an idea, but generally I would think you buy you buy something that's branded and that says it supports HDMI 2.1 because... As you know, if you go to Amazon or whatever and you say HDMI 2.1 cable, you don't know what the hell it supports, who supports it. But if you're going to buy it from a well-known brand, I'm not saying go for high-end, stupid, gold-plated, ridiculous stuff. But at least no buy it from plating. somebody. No gold-plating. But at least buy Vacuum it from sealed. somebody who's, who's going to stand behind it. You have a good chance of getting a real cable, not just something that somebody slapped a, a, a label on. I actually started looking into this because I, I wrote a... Uh, you know, what the heck do you need for a 4K TV cable primer for our, one of our sister sites, uh, TechHive. And um, so it looks like the, the only real thing that you need to look for is that it's certified as, I believe, an ultra high speed HDMI cable. And I and it's actually in order for something to qualify as that and be called that specifically, you actually have to get mandatory certification. So. I mean, obviously, if you're looking at some like third party seller on Amazon that has a weird username and is shipping from China, maybe don't trust the hat. But if it's being sold in the US, it's like sold by Monoprice or a retailer, like a name that is recognizable and it has that certification, then that should work. Nice. Okay. Uh, two more quick ones. Uh, Mohan Kitten, is Brad going to test the new 3080 on the i7-8700K? Yes. Okay. It's overclocked, though. <laughs> uh, and uh, Elena might know this one. Uh, Diaz asked a long time ago, do you think RTX 3090 will fit in the H510 case? H510 and ZXT's case? You know, I I don't know because, so here's a, a personal shortcoming of mine. I am terrible at visualization. Like one of the reasons why I do the case teardowns the way I do with putting stuff in there is because I have a really hard time visualizing how something's going to fit into things. Um, and I still don't have like a really true sense for how big that 3090 really, really is compared to like, say the 1080, the dead 1080 that we use for our kind of our you know demonstration when we do those teardowns it's a lot bigger but i don't and so i don't know if like how much clear and not even just like lengthwise but more even specifically like width and all of that so like how much space do you actually need width wise in a case and like how much um clearance do you get where you have those like cable management bars and things like that so between those two measurements, I, I don't know. The answer, the short answer is I don't know yet. I'll have to get my hands on one or at least actually 
take a piece of paper and construct like a fake 3D model roughly of it to figure out, you know, how it's going to fit into cases like that. I will say looking at the numbers on NVIDIA's page, the dimensions for the 3090, it seems comparable to like the big honking, like the ultra high end 2080 Ti Mm -hmm. models. So if they're looking for whatever reason for more pressing advice, just go find the biggest 2080 Ti you could use and figure out if that would fit in the case. And I think you could use that as a good rough estimate. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, so, somebody on YouTube to... says uh, you visualize bargains really well, though. Thank you. <laughs> but specific to the H510, I don't know, just because um, if I'm remembering the models correctly in my head, um, I just don't know how it's going to fit against things like a, a bracket or, you know, those cable management type uh elements that a case manufacturers are including now because i remember i said this on yesterday's stream i remember from our xbox one x pc build live stream when you sent me that honking triple slot (laughs) rx 580 card (laughs) and i couldn't get it to fit in the case like in the middle of the stream i had to switch cases because (laughs) there was like just a little bit of a lip towards the front and it would i could not see that card I hate I hate wide graphics cards. I don't mind long. I don't mind fat. I hate wide. Yeah. <laughs> I, can I? I actually want to talk one more minute about the eighty seven hundred K that someone just asked about. Uh, I think we talked about this on another show. If not, I've talked about it amongst other PC world people. Uh, but I think we talked about it on a previous episode of this. It's in a real weird place to try to test this thing right now because, like, there's. You know, these cards support PCIe 4.0. They're ultra ridiculously fast. Uh, And those two things, you know, they're not compatible because Intel has the clock speeds and AMD has the PCIe 4.0 support. Uh, I decided for now I'm going to keep the 8700K. One, because a lot of people have it, and I find that to be useful information rather than, you know, just rushing out to having yet another 10900K, you know, benchmark. Uh, especially because if you overclock the 8700K like I have, it still goes toe for toe. You can go look at all the, you know, gaming comparison roundups now with the 10900K out of the box. So it's still just as fast as a 10900K. So you're going to get the speed there. And I think that's important to have for when you're testing at 1080p uh, or maybe 1440p with this generation. But if Ryzen 4000 was out, I probably would have upgraded to that to test this if it's as fast as we expect it to be, Ryzen 4000, but it's not yet. So it's a real weird time to try to test it. So I think for now, at least, I'm going to be keeping my 8700K box. In the future, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up upgrading it and just having to retest everything again with the new system uh, sometime before the end of the year. Just to go a little bit deeper on that answer than just yes. All right. I like it. Uh, And you know what? One more question, and and Gordon can hopefully hop in on this. Uh, From what we heard yesterday, what do you think uh, is in store for laptop versions of the 30 series cards? When are they going to start rolling out? What what can we expect? You know, the the die shrink should help on on power consumption, right? Um, I would think it'd probably be pushed into, into early next year, probably. I think it... Everybody's just launched every single, you know, new laptop based on the current 20 series parts. It feels like it'd be a little too soon to do a refresh, although NVIDIA has done it before. But I would think it'll trail behind, you know, desktop launches like it usually does. But, you know, it's usually going to be timed typically around 
big events. So maybe CES, you could think into the next summer, maybe sooner than that, because, you know, there's NVIDIA is going to want to want to jump all over Intel's head, too, because Intel has discrete XC graphics coming. So they're 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 going to want to fight with them, too. So I would think, you know, definitely not not anything until early next year, because we've literally seen like 20 different um, gaming laptops with 20 series come out. So I don't think it'll it'll happen overnight. Yeah, that, they always trail desktops by uh, months and months. Like, it's never a quick rollout. Uh, but not only did all those... NVIDIA just launched those 20 super super parts in desktops alongside the new Intel parts just, like, what, two or three months ago, I think? Something like that. So I would expect those two launches to be tied closely together again sometime next year. I agree everything Gordon said. Okay. I have a question that I heard a bunch yesterday on when I was rewatching the live stream, but I haven't heard asked yet today. Where's yes, the supposedly. RTX thirty sixty? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring that up earlier, but I was like, you "Good know question." What? Yeah, just, sorry. There's just been so many things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, so I went back and rewatched the live stream because you know the event was forty minutes, and I saw the live stream that y'all did was two and a half hours. I'm like, damn, what happened there? So I had to watch it. Uh, and yeah, I heard people asking, "What's up? Why is there no twenty sixty uh, thirty sixty? Uh, Nvidia always rolls out with the high end cards first. It goes in, it makes lots of money off of its big GPUs. It starts rolling out lower end stuff as the months go on. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the 3060, you know, if the the 3070 is scheduled to launch October right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 2060, a 3060 uh, before the end of the year to get in on that holiday goodness. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes in November, let's say. Uh, but just because it was announced yesterday doesn't mean it's missing. NVIDIA just always starts at the top and rolls one out every month after that basically oh uh speaking of questions that people were asking yesterday that i kind of wanted to pose to you um how big of a deal do you think gpu sag is going to be for that 3090 (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i would definitely prop it up with a lego dude or whatever (laughs) that 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 looks like that's a lot of metal Uh, but again it's it looks roughly comparable to a heavy-duty 2080 Ti, uh, which often you need to prop up with Lego dudes or Funko Pop figures or whatever. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> add some flair to your PC. These are big. I, I, I think it was Gordon saying that people have talked about it's more actually, or it might have been a video that I watched, GPU sag is actually more closely related to the brackets on the motherboard than the actual weight of the card itself. So. Yeah, we talked about that before. Yeah, yeah so. Um, uh. bef- I think you're trying to wrap up, but can I slide in one more general question? Oh, well, we, have, we haven't even got to the general questions. We're still oh, okay. on the <laughs> RTX 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Sorry, one I, more I gotta 38. Go. Oh, I got to go. go. I got to go. Okay. okay. No Somebody worries. else can close out. All right. Bye, Thanks, Gordon. Gordon. Bye. Bye. Uh, so one more <laughs> RTX question that is a good one from Datsloth. Uh, how do you think the reference design on the 3080 will work with a vertically mounted configuration? Ooh. So you have one fan blowing towards the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the side glass. panel and then the other one blowing straight at the, uh, yeah. the motherboard. Again, that would take testing, but that doesn't seem ideal. 
uh, to have it just pointed. That fan will be pointed directly at. No, I want to go on the glass. And then want to go there. straight to the motherboard. Yeah. <laughs> Probably where no, the PCIe slots are. No, because the other one, the one. The one that's in the back by the bracket sucks it in and shoots out the rear bracket so it doesn't blow out. Oh, you're right. So uh, there would nothing be nothing pointed directly at the motherboard, actually, so it probably wouldn't be as disastrous as it sounds. True, would, true. Because that rear – yeah, it might work. <laughs> but if the, if the side panel is awfully close to the vertically mounted GPU, would it – uh, raise the kind of ambient temperatures around the GPU, causing that's, issues. That's that already an issue. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It's, it's what if you vertically mount a GPU, uh, you have to accept that you're potentially leaving thermal performance and thus, therefore, actual gaming performance on the table to have a badass looking PC. All right, nice. Uh, all right. Now let's get to some general questions. <laughs> Here we go. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, so, uh, well, this this one was going to be a good one for Gordon, but um, I'll put it in here anyway. Uh, DadGamer77 on Twitch asks, uh, what is the minimum PC, uh, CPU you would go with for a Chromebook to handle schoolwork, uh, Zoom calls, etc.? I mean, bare minimum, I would look at like Pentium and Celeron chip personally. Um, but I think in general with, once you meet that, then I would turn my attention to Ram, honestly, just because I feel like that plays a much larger role in the experience of a Chromebook than just raw CPU performance. Um, one trick around it, uh, I guess maybe a little bit of self-promotion here is that if you have an older laptop with a more powerful processor, then, you know, today's really low in Chromebooks, then you can put uh, cloud ready on it which is basically an open source for well, not really open source but it's based on chromium os it's very 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 similar to chrome os and you get the pretty much the same experience as on a chromebook out well the basic experience not all the like um google play you know app store windows stuff now coming you're not going to get that but the basic chrome experience you'll get that at least Nice. Uh, and I just linked to your awesome article. That's a good article. Um, <clears throat> Jose Vincent Santos Aguilar asked, uh, will Big Navi be chiplet in its design? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, uh, simply because AMD itself has come out and said recently that moving chiplet over, over to GPU is or graphics cards is much more complicated because games see those as a bunch of separate GPUs and thus like a crossfire rig or whatever. Uh, that was uh, one or two years ago. It might have been two years ago. It could be very, very different now. Uh, but that being said, I wouldn't bet on it. I would personally, if I was going to you know, go to Vegas and put my money on the table, I would bet on it just being a larger version of Navi that's you know, more energy efficient and whatnot. I could be very wrong. I mean, you never know until things are announced, but. Right. Uh, also, people in chat are pointing out that uh, supposedly we have the, the mounting wrong that the fan would be blowing at the, uh, at the motherboard. Oh, well, if I, but, you yeah. know, figured it out wrong in my head, I definitely wouldn't want yeah. that fan blowing at my motherboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Boria Zero just asked in uh, Discord, um, 
how much longer do we have to wait for a 32-inch 4K 120 hertz monitor? 32-inch 4K 120 hertz. Uh, I didn't know that those weren't available yet. Uh, you might you be able. One more time, the specs. Sorry, I didn't catch it. Thirty-two inch, four K, one hundred and twenty hertz. It's yeah. A lot of the initial ones are twenty-seven inches, which is a little bit too small. But then they go up to forty inches a lot of the time, and they skip out the middle there. I don't know. Thirty-two inches would be the sweet spot for a four K monitor for me. I haven't heard anything. I didn't realize that they didn't exist, so I can't Same. answer that question. I'm actually looking <laughs> up right now. <laughs> I guess maybe we haven't reached 32 yet. But, but yeah, I have I have a 28-inch one right in front of me and over here. Uh, and I really wish they were that four inches bigger, so I feel your pain. <laughs> to me, 32 inches would be the sweet spot for 4K. Yeah. I found one that's 43 inches. <laughs> that's a little bigger. Just a little bit. That's a TV, right? <laughs> Starting to get there. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, here's an interesting one from uh, Costa del Paul. Oh nope, sorry, wrong one. Uh, the King Prawn. Uh, what percentage of a build budget should be on the GPU now that prices are downish and performance is supposedly way up? Uh, you, you know, well, we've we're... talked about the pairing. You know, and like what you should budget. Yep. Uh, I still think that advice generally holds true. We're going to have to wait and see what NVIDIA offers in the mainstream and if AMD, you know, changes stuff in the mainstream as well. Uh, but I think I will go to my standard advice for GPU purchases here. Uh, it'll depend on your monitor. Like if you have a 1080p monitor, you don't have to spend a lot of money on a graphic card. Like 200 bucks is, is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but it's not 1500 bucks. <laughs> uh, I would tie it a hundred percent to my monitor and its refresh rate uh, and try to figure it out from there. Cause if, if the 3070 really is as fast as a 2080 TI, like that's a 4k capable card for 500 bucks. That's a really good 1440p card. So if you have a 1080p amount, there's no reason to buy it. And then on the CPU end, what do you think pairs well with that? Uh, I would, again, if you're spending $500 on a graphics card, I'd still buy a core i7 or a Ryzen 7. Like, I think that general advice typically holds and it has held forever and i think it's going to continue to kind of hold because games will always continue to use more horsepower if it's provided by graphics cards okay uh here's a good one from a weedabix uh is there a room is there room for rdna2 with seven nanometer since nvidia uses samsung eight nanometer and the wattage between similar products is similar uh and what's your predictions of performance and pricing against a 3080 for example uh we have no idea yet uh there actually has been fewer leaks than usual for big navi uh because in previous you know radeon generations those things leaked all over the place and they tended to be wildly optimistic and wrong and then people would get their hopes up and then be like ah oh, vega you suck uh but we haven't seen as much. We have seen some that say up to 50% faster than 2080 Ti, which would be a huge increase for 
AMD because they don't have anything near a 2080 Ti competitor right now. They don't even have a 4K graphics card right now. So I think we're going to see a 4K graphics card, like a true 4K graphics card for modern times from AMD for the first time in a while. Uh, I think there, like I said earlier, there's a good chance it'll be around 3080 performance. It might even be decently more than 3080 performance would be my guess. And the pricing is all going to depend on how close it is to that. Because if they don't have, you know, if they can't beat NVIDIA in benchmarks, they can't charge the same price for it. Or they can, but they won't sell any. <laughs> so it's, that's the big game that NVIDIA and AMD always play. All right. Uh, a couple more. Um, uh, KazMC asked a long time ago something that we can talk about without Gordon here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The Kotaku put up an, an article uh, recently that said maybe we should just delay the next gen. Uh, do we agree, uh, disagree, or are we indifferent? Next uh, generation consoles, specifically. <laughs> okay, I was about to say, like, are we, what, what are we talking about specifically in terms of generations and hardware? Uh, Xbox Series yeah. X and PS5. Yeah. No, I mean, I know now, but oh, that's okay. what my first question would have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I am indifferent. I could see it either way. I wouldn't be mad if they did because a lot of people don't have five to seven hundred dollars to spend on a console right now. Uh, so I think sales aren't going to blow your minds out of the gate like they they they're not going to top what happened last generation. Uh, I'd be fine with them delaying it, especially if Microsoft wanted to push it back to match the Halo release date still. And you know they could do a PR spin and say, hey, it's a you know, a rough year for a lot of people. We would have loved to be able to bring more joy and happiness in gaming to people who could afford it, but we're going to wait, give people time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You can put a PR spin on it. I'd be fine with it. Uh, I'm fine with them launching as well. You know, life goes on, so you got to keep this stuff moving. All these these products are multi-year developments, so, you know, the train doesn't just stop. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'll confess I haven't had a chance to read that article yet, but just thinking about the the general kind of thought exercise that it brings up, I, I'm inclined to agree with it on the surface just because I think it's been a rough year for a lot of people. I think with, at least in particular, the, the Xbox Series X um, not really having a super strong game lineup for launch, in my opinion, Um and I mean, to a degree, Sony as well with the PlayStation 5. Like, I just don't feel like this has the same, like, whoa, new generation is coming. I can't wait to have my mind blown that previous generations have had. So, you know, instead of kind of starting with, you know, softly, why not wait so that you can just enter the world with a bang, so to speak? Um, but at the same time, I feel like they're in a kind of a hard spot, right? Because a lot of times whether right or wrong, if somebody nowadays, if somebody says, Oh, we're holding that the immediate thought is something's wrong. Like it's not going to be very good. Or, you know what I mean? Like, as opposed to thinking that taking your time to really make it good. No, people don't really give that benefit of the doubt as much anymore, which I think is a shame personally, but you know, to, to avoid that uh, perception, I can see why maybe they feel obligated still after so many months of hiking holiday releases that they have to stick to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, and I think the the article, uh, a lot of it was predicated on, you know, exclusives, right? You know, like, what can you play on these new systems that can't be played on an old system or a PC? And obviously, there's not much. <laughs> uh, so I could understand people saying, hey, you know, you should wait. But then again, at the same time, I mean, there's been some, some console launches that barely had anything either. So like that, you know, I don't think that's a huge thing. And honestly, I mean, this this almost just feels like an extension of that mid-cycle refresh. This is this is just a powerful version of something that has already been out. You know, it's not a completely new change. It's not a completely new thing. Both consoles will have, like, almost, you know, a huge portion of backwards compatibility. You know, so the, the it's more like, hey, now we're putting out something more expensive that you can put, you know. And also, at the same time, I think people are going to just, like, there's people who are going to buy it regardless, right? I, you know, I like the... Mm. I disagree with that point that they're refreshes, like only like mid-cycle refreshes, because the hardware leap is quite huge. The 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 problem really is that you only have a handful of exclusives that really make it worth your while to see that leap. And I think the prices are going to be high enough that even the most faithful console people will maybe pause and maybe wait on it some. And I also think we're in a different environment than previous generations where if you launched a console, even with a a kind of a weak game lineup, you were okay because the ecosystems were pretty separate. So nowadays there's a lot like this is the first time in my in my whole, I don't know, experience with gaming where I thought, oh, I have Game Pass. If I can play that on PC, there's no reason for me to get an Xbox Series X. And we didn't really have that kind of relationship before between PCs and consoles that we do now. So that's why I think they're, they're launching to a much weaker for them environment coming into holiday season. Because there's just so much more compelling now to, to build a PC, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, which I, is... Uh... What... Which is why I think that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's that's their it's thing. Good. They're like, hey, you know what? Get the new console, sure, whatever. Get a PC, whatever. You know, like no, just buy the consumers. service. Yeah. It's good for consumers for sure. But if we're talking about it from the perspective of, of the business, like is now the right time to launch your new product? I, I don't know if it is. I think it's crazy. Like everyone wants Halo back. It's crazy to me that I know they just push it back to add some more polish, but they didn't pour more effort into the visual look of Halo for what it was because there was the whole you know the brute meme and everything because it, it did look kind of rough for what people are expecting from a next gen console that could cost five to seven hundred dollars like i'm surprised i haven't seen more showstopper like oh that's beautiful kind of games and i think that nvidia oh, not nvidia microsoft and sony spent nvidia kind of weak uh <laughs> both messed up actually by rolling out those mid-cycle consoles because that took away a large part of the graphical oomph of a new generation. It robs this generation of it because those, those mid-cycle upgrades, you know, added a ton of, you know, more frame rate. You could do a lot more graphics. You know, the things that you can see on a box or in a trailer, you got that from the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 4 Pro already. So there's going to be big tangible benefits from moving to Ryzen and these faster storage systems, but they don't show up in trailers as much. So I think they're going to look back and be like, man, maybe we shouldn't have done the Xbox One X because I mean, it robs a lot of excitement from the next console generation, which is only two years later or whatever it's been. I mean, and that's why I feel like this is like now more than ever, this is like a PC, right? It's just like it's every couple of years, a new thing comes along that's that's better. And if somebody wants the most high-end thing, they go for that. You know, if they want <laughs> something cheaper, they can go for that too. It just, 
more and more it just feels you know like iterate iterative you know and the yeah, yeah. like and the, I, the, actually i really dig what microsoft is doing with the whole windows oh, yeah. and xbox ecosystem like yeah. get what you want man play yep. play your games i love that <laughs> I, I honestly wonder if we are actually moving towards that. So the fact that maybe the console's released to kind of weak, weaker reception is not going to be a big deal because even, even Sony is now saying that they're going to be bringing first-party titles to PC. So maybe this is just part of a general evolution uh, towards play on the platform you want and that's it. Like you have the freedom of choice and they're looking to make more money on software services, that type of thing. They're crazy not to. I mean, to me, the console and PCs are different crowds. Like, if you want to play on a console, you'll buy whichever console you prefer. I don't think people are like, you know, I'm just going... I can play Horizon Zero Dawn on my PC, so I'm never going to buy a PlayStation. I think if you want to sit in your living room and play games on your TV, sitting on the couch with a controller, you're going to buy a console. (laughs) Yeah, yep. Uh, and the, the you know the last point I'll I'll make is that like just like there's people who are going to go out and buy a 3090, there's no matter what price the new you know high end consoles are going to be, they're going to sell out anyway. You know, yeah. regardless of lineup, they just want the n- nicest newest thing. Uh, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, last fun question, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Liquid R uh, asks, uh, what non tech and non game YouTube channels does the PC World crew like to watch? I thought this was a fun one. I watch a lot of YouTube, so... <laughs> you do. Maybe you should start. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, stuff that... I mean, I do, you know, watch a lot of tech-related stuff. I do want to give a couple shout-outs. You know, Digital Foundry, almost always watch their videos. Uh, you know, and then some, some old retro gaming stuff like uh, ETA Prime. Uh, who's another one? Uh, uh, Wolf Den... Uh, I'm just literally scrolling through my <laughs> my list on my phone, um, but yeah, or Jerry rig everything's always fun too for for phone people. Um, in terms of non tech stuff, I mean, Vox makes a lot of nice little interesting, you know, like really flashy infographic kind of stuff, uh, which I always like. Uh, I started uh, following a physics girl, uh, which. She's like really good at like just breaking down in a really simple way, like math and physics stuff, which I thought is awesome. really cool. Uh, I follow, you know, photographers and stuff uh, like Kai W, uh, Jessica Kobesi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name. DP Review, Potato Jet, you know, uh, they're always fun uh, when it comes to like photography stuff. I mean, I guess that's kind of tech related. So, you know, that's, that's different. <laughs> um yeah, I, I mean, actually, now that I think about it, most of this is somehow tech or game related. Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> now that I'm looking through it, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, any that's, part- that's me. Any that you uh, rec- any channels that you would recommend in particular? Uh, I mean, like like I mentioned for that, I mean, photography stuff, like I, I've always loved Kai. He he used to be at a, a different outlet that, that escapes me, but he, he's kind of gone off on his own. He's just hilarious. Uh, Kai W is, is his channel. Um, like that, that's, that is easily one of my favorite. Actually, you know, I guess the other thing that's not really tech related, but I, I do watch a lot of like uh, creator channels like Brian D. Johnson or video creators, you know, people who help, uh, 
you know, understand the YouTube landscape and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's not necessarily tech, you know, I guess it's my job related. Uh, a channel that I used to love for cinematography stuff is called Every Frame of Painting. They don't, they don't do anymore, but that's, uh, I just, those are easily the, you can go back and watch those they just do real deep dives on you know cinematic yeah. kind of stuff and i nice. i love that kind of stuff uh it's like an essay kind of thing uh so anyway that's me i mean there's plenty of other stuff but that's that's kind of my main stuff brad you want to go next uh sure uh so it's not really like tech and gaming, but it is games. Uh, one thing I really like is like incredibly deep, thorough, thoughtful critiques of games. So Noah Caldwell Gervais, uh, Joseph Anderson, and Matthew Matosis are three great channels to watch for that. Uh, Joseph Anderson, for example, just put out a five and a half hour video critiquing every aspect of The Witcher 2 that he's been working on for like a year. And it's amazing. Uh, Outside of that, I really like fantasy football. Uh, so this time of year, I tend to watch the fantasy footballers. It's just a, a very funny and insightful show, uh, Fantasy Pros Podcast. And I subscribe to a bunch of different uh, fitness YouTubers, believe it or not, because uh, yeah. improving my health has been a big goal over the last two years. And I've found <laughs> that very helpful. So Nice. <laughs> Um, so for me, if we're excluding, he said, not just excluding tech, but also excluding gaming, right? Um, uh, it's a little bit eclectic, honestly. Like I, I have, I like hair tutorials, makeup tutorials, cause those are things I was never really good at. So sometimes I wish I was, I had been born like young enough so that as a teenager, I could have learned this stuff from YouTube. Cause you know, back in the day, the only way to do it was like magazines. And <laughs> again, I'm not good at visualization. So you all can imagine how well it turned out for me. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, I, John Oliver, I only started getting into because of like, they put clips on YouTube. Um, let's see what else. There's like a couple of like, rant- Oh, there's this channel by this guy named Dogen. And he, he just, he's super funny. So he's this guy who moved from the U.S. to Japan and, like, learned language and marrying a Japanese woman lives there. And so he just has all these, like, Japanese language tutorials, but he's super funny. He's obviously, like, a big, you know, video game nerd. So a lot of references in there. I used to listen to him a lot while I would uh, work out because it was so amusing. It would distract me from the misery that was climbing <laughs> stairs for 30 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Let's see what else. And okay, so my latest thing that I started in quarantine was watching blind auditions from The Voice. <laughs> I like, I super love it for some reason. It's not just like the US one. So I'll watch the US one, I'll watch the Australian one, I'll watch the UK one. And then um, sometimes I watch the German one because those are the languages where I can kind of figure out, you know, at least kind of figure out what the judges are saying when they're listening to contestants. Um, but one, it's really cool to see people who are talented do their thing. And two, it's really cool to see the judges' reaction because it's a blind audition, right? Like seeing their reactions to listening to the, the artist uh, is just all over the board. Sometimes they like slap that buzzer immediately. <laughs> Sometimes like they're really thinking about it. Sometimes they get into like little arguments with each other over like the contestants they want for their team. I don't know. I just really, <laughs> I really enjoy that. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I've I've one more I'll shout out. It's a it's a really weird one. It it it's like 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's just weird. I'm going to type it out in the chat. It's a K R A I N A G R Z Y B O W T V. Uh, it's just if you want to we- watch some weird stuff, it's weird. Just watch it. It's wait. Well, what kind of weird though? Just like just weird. Like who? Ma- like almost like art house kind of stuff, but like very. <laughs> Is like, this the film person in you talking? Uh, no, it's more the conspiracy theory uh, person in <laughs> me. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, you know, it's, there's just it's just weird, creepy stuff in there. I can't even explain it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, but we should probably get going. I just realized we've been going for time. two and a half hours. I know. Wow. I keep getting out of my chair because my cat, who you know, some of you saw earlier, is very much like a I want in, I want out kind of cat. <laughs> and he will bang really loud on the door. And I don't know if it's coming through the microphone. So I'm just like, let me just go take nope. care of that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Brad, why, why don't you take us out? I don't think oh, you've yeah. tried a, an outro. <clears throat> have you? Yeah. I don't have yeah. my notes yeah, okay. here. I have. Uh, well, tune in next time to the full nerd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Uh, this has been episode 149, the full nerd. Uh, wherever you saw us, you know, give us a like. We like it every time you do. Uh, Gordon leaves early and leaves me in the lurch again. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm uh, host Brad Charkis without co-host Gordon Ma'ung and Alinda Yee. Hi, everyone. And taking us out. Adam Patrick Murray. Fantastic. Hey, hey, hey. Google that on YouTube. Just get creeped out. Bye.